the jury. The prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. And this is the Hagman and Hagman Report for today. It is a snowy Monday. It's Monday, January 18th, 2016. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios located in beautiful, snowy, well, blizzard-like northwest Pennsylvania where we've got about a foot and a half on the ground and uh, more coming, and we can't see basically our hands in front of our faces. Hopefully that will not affect our broadcast. I don't think so. We've got uh, satellites up and working, so this is all good. Uh, folks, we broadcast live every Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the Global Star Radio Network. That's our flagship station. Of course, you can hear us live as well at Blog Talk Radio on Blog Talk Radio, and also you can watch us. We're simulcast not only on Blog Talk, but you can watch us, watch us on our um, official YouTube channel. Just go to HagmanandHagman.com and click on the uh, link directly to our YouTube channel there. That's uh, HagmanandHagman.com for reports, information, and uh, articles, HagmanReport.com and HomelandSecurityUS.com. Three websites to choose from, uh, all doing a different function, and, of course, uh ready to, to, to well i'll do a different function providing you information so our flagship uh website for this show hagman and hagman.com i'm doug hagman and in case you don't know at the helm with fellow investigator researcher and most importantly my son joe hagman we are the hagman and hagman report together want to um just want to tell you we've got a great show for you lined up tonight joe you can go ahead and bring on uh bring on the guests and uh yeah it's uh great to be here as my dad said it's a very snowy day out there and it is still coming uh for those of you up in the northeast here dealing with the snow. But we got a great show for you tonight. we got economist Ross Powell tonight with Steve Quayle uh, for the whole three hours tonight. And we're going to turn it over to you, Steve, and let you get started uh, where you want to go. Well, thank you so much, uh, Joe and Doug and Ross. Nice to be with you. I think tonight is really a critical night because for all the years that everything has been in play and all of the events that were taking place almost two decades ago, everything used to be in the future tense. But I want to encourage people to really listen with their hearts to what's being said because people have become desensitized to the reality. And I'll share this. I believe that the words, and these are just a few of them, collapse, crisis, panic, cataclysm, financial meltdown, day of reckoning, all those words have lost their meaning due to overusage and due to MK Ultra. Now, I want to share this. It's critical that those of you who have not been to my website tonight or today go and look at the MK Ultra background. You must understand how that has come about. Most people, Doug, and you know this, Ross and Joe, you encounter it every day. They just don't understand how the country could have come to this point. They don't understand, uh, you know, how do I say this? They don't understand the full ramifications of the lifestyle. I'm really choosing my words carefully, you guys. The lifestyle, everything that we've known as normal, everything we've taken for granted, most importantly, the living God, all the blessings we have uh, received at the hands of 
God, and a loving living God, the enemy of men's souls hates that. You know, when Jesus said the, the, the love of money is the root of all evil, he didn't say money was the root of all evil. He even told us to make friends of the unrighteous man, and so that when God gave us the true riches, we know how to handle it. It's interesting that faithfulness in the small things carries through into faithfulness in large things. What Ross is going to talk about tonight, and, and uh, I'll chime in, is the fact that there are events taking place that even if you put them into the context of 2008, the last, you know, really crisis period, every single event that led to the economic collapse, the I believe the disintegration of small business started then, and now the Baltic Dry Index, Ross will explain all that, what we're seeing is God bringing the nation to a standstill. Retail is finished. It's over as you've known it. McDonald's, what, closed a 1,000 stores. Uh, uh, Walmart, 269 stores. And by the way, uh, that's a number we'll deal with later in the show. But what we're seeing is the Illuminati signature all across the world. Global upheaval. Let me make this simple. Every nation state is to disappear, to be turned into a specific region. As Michael Savage has brilliantly said over and over, borders, language, culture, national identity is being merged into this giant globular cluster called the New World Order. And anyone who doesn't take the Luciferic initiation, according to David Spangler, gets to be murdered. You won't enter into this New World Order without that, uh, what would you say, initiation. So I'm going to turn it over to Ross, but ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand what's at stake here. Those of you who are parents and have kids, their futures. Those of you who are grandparents and have grandchildren. And this isn't doom porn. The Lord rebuked those people that use that word. Whenever people can't handle the ramifications of what they have denied, the only way they can respond emotionally, and certainly not intellectually, is to attack the messengers. Everything Ross and I will talk about tonight is a matter of record, but think about this. Think about how many times you've heard the word collapse, crisis, panic, yet all of that doesn't mean anything to the majority of the people in the United States. Now, obviously, it means something to preppers and people who understand uh, the wise man sees evil coming and hides himself from it. So, Ross, let's go immediately now to the things that you absolutely are seeing that you've never seen before, and obviously your goal is to help people get out of financial harm's way, but if they choose to get run over by a steamroller, that's their decision. Go ahead, Ross. Thanks, Steve, and thanks, Doug and Joe, for having me on the show tonight. Steve, you're dead on, and when you're talking about desensitizing folks to words, and that's intentional by a lot of ways. If you see enough movies with murder or you play video games with murder, you, you, it becomes nothing to you until you actually see a dead body. So what we're facing is, with the general public, is what's called normalcy bias. And it's everything which, which you've been told all your life. It's what you hear on the TV set, you're on the radio, movies. Everybody thinks it's everything is hunky-dory when, in fact, it's not. And so the next step from that is going into cognitive, what's called cognitive dissonance, and that's where you, your whole balloon goes up and is sort of taking the red pill in the matrix. And that's what I use many times when I'm talking to our customers is you're going through the matrix mo mode of taking the red pill, and it's not what you think it is. And it many times will make people's heads pop, and and they just can't deal with it. And so when you start moving from 
normalcy bias to cognitive dissonance. You, some people move ahead and break through and learn, and they become awake. Others fall back and say, I just can't deal with it. It's That's not true. I'm going to just ignore it and get back to my six-pack and my TV shows. And so the, hopefully the listeners tonight will break through the normalcy bias and, into the, and, and, and face the cognitive dissonance, but we have to tell them. Because there's a lot of different moving parts, and I, every time I say this on every time I come on the show, is there's a lot of different pieces. All of them individually mean nothing. But when you weave them into a, uh, into a, uh, a macrame or into a, you weave them into a, uh, a tapestry, it comes and gives you a full picture. And so I just want to start hitting some things and things that people recognize right away, and that's the price of oil. And so I was just up until now, the oil was down at, at 28 and some change, 28.78 on the West Texas, and then the and then the Brent was even lower. It's popping up and down, but it's still staying. The, the resistance still is back at 30. So many people are saying the oil is going to go down to <clears throat> to 20, to 15, to 10. And, and so people go, oh yay, the gas pump's going to be less. And there's actually stations in Michigan. Who are selling gas today in the 70 cents to 80 cents in a price war, which I haven't seen since the 60s and 70s. So people are selling gas for, in <clears throat> some places, 55 cents to 65 cents a gallon. Unheard of. I haven't seen that since I was in the 78 in high school. So that, everything, though, that's awesome, but they don't realize what that does from a ripple effect within the economy. All of those. Up until recently, when the oil started to take a major slide at the end of at the middle of last year, we were almost energy independent. I would say for three to six months, we were probably energy independent because all the shale and everything was pumping. We were actually ready. That's why they passed the bill for Texas to and other states to export oil directly and have, not having to go through a centralized place. Individual states could now export their own oil, which was going to be a boon for Texas. And so now with this bust. It's changed all the rules. And so we were almost energy independent or were for a short period of time. Then the Saudis put their pressure on, and then we were trying to play the strategy that, oh, yeah, well, let's just, the Russians are using the oil pricing to, to build up their military. And so we, and so we're at a facto state of war with them, essentially, uh, in another Cold War, or I would call it a colder war, because I think back in those days we had what was called a mutual assured destruction. That, that doctrine is way out the window. And Putin's already said he has no problem using a first strike to take care of some take care of business. So now we're in even a colder war, and now they think, well, we're going to destroy them with with bringing their oil revenues down. But nobody, either they intentionally or in cahoots with Middle Eastern countries, they brought this this number down, and the 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 break even price for shale oil is probably probably around fifty dollars, depending on the operator. It could be as low as thirty for some of the more efficient ones. So now you have oil companies going belly going belly up. I can tell you in Texas, where we are, at the at the height of, back in the early early 15, there was 190 rigs running across the state of Texas. Today they're 60 or less, and they're dropping day by day. And so you think about that, and that impacts not just the oil rigs and, and the workers on the rigs. That's unemployment right there. But there's people that provide water, people provide piping, trucking. Housing, food, uh, all kinds of other administrative, administrative kind of things, and all those people are pretty much out the window too. You, if you used to see a boomtown driving down towards Corpus or towards Laredo over the last two years, you couldn't believe the amount of building. You couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting uh, some kind of rig or some kind of oil industry-related new building, including 
what I would call shanty-type houses for these guys to live in that were thrown up so quickly while they were building something more permanent. And now all those businesses are gone. All those little towns are sucking wind. The state is not getting those tax revenues. And so and that's not just happening in Texas. It's happening in North Dakota, in Oklahoma, many of where the boom area is. It's, it's bust now. So the, uh, the unemployment is, is huge. But take it a step further and think of all the money that was lent to make that expansion. The banks have huge books of business in the oil industry. Texas banks, North Dakota banks, large banks, Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan Chase, Wachovia, Bank of America is a big one. Uh, so all of these big banks took huge risks and said, well, there's a lot of money to be made. And there was, and, and people made a lot of money. I was talking to a friend today. He has a, a gentleman that he works with, or as a friend of his, was made $850,000 last year just in royalty checks alone, plus his leases. Now he's looking for a job. So... This has a huge impact on everybody, but think about the bank. So you lend a bunch of money now that, and there was a law, I'll digress just for a second, there was a law passed called Mark to Market. And so it essentially, it started in 2009, and it pretty much came to fruition in October of 2015, just when the things started to collapse. And so now the oil companies used to be able to use the reserves that are in the ground. They know that they have X million barrels of oil in this particular well. That is considered collateral because it's reserved. They're going to pump it out of the ground eventually over some period of time, and the banks could use that as collateral. When this rule came up, and they actually were able to, they took it away and said that collateral no longer exists. So now the oil company has a, has a, a collateral issue. It's almost like a margin call that said, well, you need to do something to bring this collateral back up in order to keep this loan active, or they're going to make them default. And so now we're looking at numerous companies defaulting, or, or actually have defaulted. I know one bank in South Texas that has a major uh, a major uh, client or a major loan holder and they're like 40% of their book of business this one's on the on uh, is just about to go belly up what would that do if you lost 40% it took a loss on 40% of your loan book what would that do to your bank probably bring it down to its knees and close it so these things have a ripple effect it's almost like the mortgage business of 2008 except it's worse because it's it's broader Spectrum. It's not just housing mortgages. It's, it affects a lot of people and a lot of ripples. So with with this, that means that with the uh, the, the the latest banking of of uh, in 2010, where they passed a law, there is no more bailouts. Everything is a bail-in. You can see the writing on the wall. So if the banks are going to collapse, and the Fed passed in December their last minutes that they adopted uh, those new laws so that the Fed can't do bailouts any longer, so they, their hands are tied behind their back. So they can't suddenly just issue a bunch of money to all these big banks to cover their losses, theoretically anyway. That's how the law is written. But when he who has the gold makes the rules, so if they could obviously change that, we just heard one on, I read a story on Zero Hedge uh, today and yesterday, it's, it's ongoing, where the Dallas Fed has said that, with, the, with these big losses on your books, and this is met with a bunch of Dallas in Dallas with a bunch of Texas banks and others saying, well, don't make them go to foreclosure, don't make them default, do things like sell their assets, do something else. Last, if, if the last if the last step here is ignore the mark to, the mark to market price, so which means they can bring bring that equity back up and those reserves back up, but that will cover the cover for the short term. So the shell game, this three card monte is. Is being is working again, just like it did in 2008. Again, except it's going to be much worse. So 
So, Steve, the, the the my biggest concern right now is well, one of them is is the is the oil, and it's the unemployment that goes along with it. The the uh, well, government just I, released. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Russ. I thought you were finished. Go ahead. So the the next thing is so you that affects unemployment. So one of the things I keep track of is the unemployment rates because you see well the unemployment's at five percent. The work then you see we redig into the numbers and the number of the, the population that's employed with the is employed or is actually part of the workforce is at its lowest level since the 70s. And, and so you but you go and dig deeper and there's two different numbers. There is a, a U3 number and a U6 number. U6 the U3 number is what they always publicize at five percent. And so most people can look this up, look up U3 versus U6 on on Google it or what, or whatever browser you, or your search engine you want to use. But if you look at that, the U3 number is three per, is five percent. That's people that are act- actively involved when they do their thirty-three thousand calls and they talk to all these folks. Five percent of the people said they're unemployed. But you take that the actual U6 number, which people that are people that are only part-time workers because they can't find a full-time job or they have a second job for economic reasons, uh, they've given up hope. They're even just remotely attached to the uh, employment situation. That number is at nine point nine. It was in in twelve and thirteen. It was in the twelve. It was in the eighteen percent range, twenty percent range. So it's come down significantly. But just think about that: one in ten people, conceivably, at ten percent, is unemployed. So what does that, to your point earlier, retail? What does that do to retail? Walmart's stores, McDonald's is closing. You know, thousand stores. Gap is closed. All these different companies, all these retailers had a terrible December. That big push in December didn't happen. Amazon had a great year, relatively speaking, to the retail, to the brick and mortars, but the folks that, that the overall retail is in the tank. So people aren't spending their money. Their debt is going up. So again, we're just getting right back into that 2008 cycle, Steve and Doug, that, that is not good. So we're going to get to like the Lehman Brothers, Bear Stearns kind of situation, except it's going to be caused by something different. It's a global shutdown with China, which I'll get to in a moment. But oil is a huge thing. I mean, but it's pushing us towards deflation, which is which is bad for everybody, and, and it's not that's it's really hard to get out of. So, Steve, did you have a comment? I'll go ahead and turn it over to you for a moment. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the, the one of the most critical and telling numbers is not statistics or charts, Ross. It's the Baltic Dry Index. The Baltic Dry Index is, is just a composite, a tabulation, if you will, of how many ships are coming in with freight, how many ships are coming in importing products in this country, uh, obviously products going out of this country and exports. But one of the telling things about the Baltic Dry Index is basically, I'll make this statement, and is people can't understand how it filters through to the trucking industry. Now, truckers understand it. I get truckers' emails every day. I have a lot of truckers that listen to this program, either real, downloaded, or wherever they're at. But the point is is that they can't deliver goods. Well, we've become a service-oriented society. Listen, a Ph.D. in uh, whatever venue of education He's got to feed his family, too, just as a plumber or a carpenter or any of the builders, people who actually add value. So when you see the Baltic Dry Index uh, going lower, 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 and we were speculating, ladies and gentlemen, that we wouldn't be surprised to see a 322, 
which is obviously Doug said that, the Illuminati number, and I said I wouldn't be surprised if it's 333. So it's still falling today. What was it, Ross, 369? Right, 369 as of the start of this of this program, which was down right. from 373 on Friday when I looked it up, which was okay, down now, the high of this last Yeah, let me just go there really quick. Look at this. I want you to see... And ladies and gentlemen, this is about teaching. Ross is the guy who's going to give you the financial stuff. But notice 369, notice the 69, notice how many Walmart stores are closing, 269. Why not 270? Why not 250? No. Look at this. Look at David Bowie. David Bowie, basic, really into uh, the black arts, really into... Satanism. His his newest album, Black Star. Uh, Black Star directly relates also to the Nazis, Black Sun. Now, what's critical? And then Alan Rickman, uh, the actor who was in Harry Potter, he also died at sixty nine. Okay, they all died. Uh, both of them died at sixty nine. So the point is, is no. Yeah, that, so there's a 69. Now, I want to share something, okay? And I want people to know that there are a lot of people that come on the scene. I'm going to turn it right back after you after I read a certain segment. In 1992, June 27th, I received a word from the Lord. Now, the way you know if a word is from the Lord, you take it to the Lord, and you see if it's fulfilled. The problem with Christians is they think if a word is given, okay, uh, excuse me, a word is given, that if it doesn't come to pass in the immediate future, that's not a true word. And listen to this, okay? Uh, and this is on my website in the prophetic words. It's in the, the 1992. Your, the government of your land worships at the altars of mammon. The evil they do is an affront to my righteousness and an attack on my throne. And now hear their judgment. In one day, I will bring down their financial system. The entire world will stand in awe. The politicians will run to and fro, unable to do anything to stop the onslaught of my judgment. Your company, or excuse me, your country will come to a virtual standstill. No planes will fly. No trucks will run. No trains will run. As food runs out, millions will flee the cities as drought and famine begin to take hold. Total chaos will ensue. Panic will break forth, and there will be much death and sorrow. Those who fall in the city, uh, I'm sorry, and those who fall in the city, uh, as they die, plague will break forth and pestilence will follow. Millions will wander your highways and byways searching for food just to continue living. Now, that's 28 years ago. 28 years ago, and, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 1992, 8, 2000, uh, 24 years ago. There's an earlier one that, that I got confused on, 1987. So the point is, is that what I'm trying to say, Ross, Doug, and Joe, that's going to come to pass. And everybody's too busy to even begin to imagine the fact, or would not even uh, acknowledge that, that that was, quote, a true word of the Lord. Now, people can say, I don't believe it. Well, fine, you don't. But the point is, it's going to come to pass. So uh, I think the critical word here that I can't articulate, maybe you can, Doug or Joe, jump in or Ross, the word panic, 
Okay, the word panic is is such a word that you'd think it would be uh, it wouldn't be necessary to try and define it. Yet because of the overuse of it and the numbing and dumbing of the desensitization of it, people don't get it. Uh, Doug, do you want to, uh, do you want to describe? Here's here's a good thing, and Ross, I hope you don't mind, but Doug, when I say the word panic, or Joe, you know, chime in after your dad. What do you think of? What is the mental picture you get? Oh, uh, Steve, chaos. But uh, Ross said something extremely important, I think. You know, you can say, uh, you can talk about murder statistics all day long, and until you actually see or or, or have been at a murder scene, you, you, it, it doesn't register. I mean, it, it's just a, a, a thing. It's a number. It's a, it's a concept. So panic, to me, and I'll toss it to Joe after this, to me is is something that you are caught in chaos that you've got no control over. You're a pinball on the pinball machine. And let me tell you something, it ain't fun. And I'll piggyback off what my dad said, uh, except I'll classify it in two ways. You have the individual panic where one person's in a situation that uh, is panicking for whatever threat they're facing, or you have mass panic, which is societal chaos, which is what my my father was explaining, where you're basically a pinball cotton and a wave of, of things going on around you that uh, are unstable and your life's in danger. I would add the word pandemonium. There you go. Complete mm-hmm. pandemonium. Think of the riots in, in the Northeast and in Missouri and, and things like that, times 10, where everybody, it's every man for himself. I don't know many of you played sports, or not sports, but just playing outside when you were growing up. But you say that I'm sure it's politically correct to say that somebody killed a man with a football. So when you're just, everybody's out for themselves and trying to win, that's panic where you're just looking at your three children and saying, I'm hungry, Mommy, I'm hungry, Daddy, but you have nothing to give them. So what are you going to do? That pressure will make your head pop. So you're going to go out and secure those, whatever you need to feed your family or to give them water or if they need, or if they need medication. You'll do anything and everything to protect your loved ones, up Absolutely. to and including whacking somebody with whatever weapon you may have, or you may have weapon guns, or you may have a knife, or you may have a baseball bat, or whatever it's going to take for you to acquire that which you need. And yeah. on the other end of that, somebody is going to have the same, well, you're not going to come and get mine. Pound sand, go away. And then that will ensue into a, a, a physical uh, altercation, but on a, on a very large scale. So that's, right. that's when you talk about that panic, Steve, if you think about... I mean, there's old movies that show panic scenes and people running, and you'll remember one a movie that was back in the uh, in the 80s. I think it was the day after, and it showed these people running down the street because the nukes were coming or went off, and people were running, or the sirens were going off, and they were just running over each other, backing into cars, backing over people, just trying to flee like scared sheep and goats. And so that's what panic really means. But nobody's really experienced that here. Think about 9/11, the panic in New York City. That created just a complete uh, sucking of the air out of the room, literally and figuratively. So that gets us to, and Steve, to your, I'll bring us back around to the, the Baltic Dry Index. That number 369 is the, the, the 52 week range to tell you where we are. The 52 week to week range, just since January now to January of last year, it was at 1222 <clears throat> this time or during that period, this, that one year period is the high. Today it's 369. It's probably going to continue to go down. So that it means all the iron ore, coal, shipping containers full of you know merchandise that none of us really need anymore. Uh, I don't. It does not include oil. That's a separate measure. So, but all of the dry goods, all of the could be wheat, could be 
corn, could be a litany of things that's moving that tells you how many ships are moving between all the different countries around the world. That's global trade. Global trade has come to a stop. And what's causing that is there is an underlying credit crunch, just like there was in 2008, except it's getting worse because they're running out of they're running out of ammo in their quiver, arrows in their quiver. So the the money that each of the company are trying to hold on to their cash, billionaires are stocking up on cash. Sovereign countries are stop are setting up on are sitting on cash. So they they don't want to release it because they know they're going to need it. And I would suggest that to our, our listeners that they need to have cash or liquidity in their own homes as well. But that's another topic. So, to your point, Steve, panic is not just something you see on a TV show when a great big the blob comes running through your house, or there's some other TV show where you're getting whacked in a in a video game. Panic is real, and it's bloody, and it's awful until you actually feel it, and that adrenaline that rush that's the fight or flee comes running through you. You'll you'll never know what real panic is. And again, the the word I think the thing that what people lose track of in all these warnings. All warnings are to motivate you to act in your own behalf. You know, Doug, years ago, and being one of the guys who started the prep movement, you know, 25, actually 30 years ago, uh, the thing is, is that I coined the term life assurance, okay? Because everybody knows what life insurance is. So what Ross is trying to get across to everybody, and I am too, and I'm praying that we communicate so clearly, is that, that there's nobody coming to the rescue, they intend the globalists tend for uh, to introduce maximum mayhem, and maximum mayhem can be this. And, and the best way I can describe it, Ross, and I'll share this, Doug. I think I have, and Joe, is that most people, when they're in a uh, difficult situation, they either have something coming from them before them, in other words, in front of them, from behind them, from the side of them, from the either side, right or left side, and now, in this day and age, with everything from the earthquakes that are happening, the volcanic explosions, the subduction zone uh, issues on, uh, you know, the Washington, Oregon coast, all of the uh, things coming, now it's like this. Here's how I would describe it, you guys. You look ahead of you and you see events that are approaching with the speed of a freight train. You look behind you and there are people chasing you literally for your life, for your substance, and for whatever, quote, prepping uh, supplies. You look to the right, you look to the left, and you look up above, you look beneath, and all that stuff. And at that point, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters? You know, the Bible in Jeremiah, and this is a cool thing, basically God says to people, when you're confronted with that which is greater than you are, how are you going to deal with uh, the swelling of Jordan and basically the armies uh, that are coming behind you. In other words, he's saying, when you're cut off from all places to run to, when you're cut off from all sustenance, who are you going to look to? Well, the answer to that is the living God, okay? Because I want to make it clear tonight, what we're laying out to you, you should see not as doom and gloom, you should see it as this, you should see it that God has made his position clear that he loves his creation. If, if, if the wisest guy in the world says, Solomon, uh, the, the wise man sees evil coming and hides himself from it, what Ross just said to everybody, listen, let me make it clear. They have passed the laws that everything in banks is now theirs. Is that correct, Ross? Yes. Yes. Will you explain you are, you the are. difference between an insured deposit?
depositor and an unsecured lender, please? I don't think 90% of people out there know that the law has changed, and, and explain that if you would. Sure. I mean, the, the law passed, it was in 2010, and essentially, before that law, you were uh, an insured depositor, meaning that you were uh, what I would call uh, a liability on their balance sheet, so that they had to pay you. You were you were secured. You, you would always get your money out. You put the money in the bank, they owed it back to you. Now, you are an unsecured creditor, meaning that so that when you put your money in, let's say you go and deposit a check for $1,000, that money now belongs to the bank. It says your name on it. It's essentially an IOU now. So I will promise to pay you back that money when you want it. So what's called a DDA account, a a, a demand deposit account, that uh, title hasn't changed. But what it means, though, is that you are are an unsecured creditor, meaning that you gave the money to the bank. Essentially, you loaned it to them, and they're going to give you a basis point or two basis points for your checking account, paying you interest on it. And, and so, but if you want that money and they don't have it, they can say, no, you can't have it. So if the bank does a bail-in, meaning that they're going to take your deposit, there's, they could give you a haircut like they did in Greece, and there's no, you have no recourse. So many people have probably got new, new statements in the mail saying, here's your new, your new terms of, of your deposit account. Uh, they changed all the, all the write-ups in all the major banks that I know of. At least I know they did at Chase when I worked there and other banks. So nobody reads those terms. Nobody even looks at it until somebody tells them that now, you're an unsecured, unsecured creditor. So people that are ahead of you are other banks and the Fed and major corporations, whoever that can, can or are ahead of you in line. You're sort of at the bottom of the barrel. So when they get down to the bottom, they'll pay you if they can. Now, they all say, well, you have FDIC insurance up to $250,000. Now, that's true. You do have that. But when the, the funding authority for that only has enough to really fund that maybe 1% or 2% of that number, you're left holding the bag. So if they do a bail-in like Greece, you really have nothing you can do about it. You're going to get a haircut. So in the event that these oil, these oil loans and, and other uh, oil-related industry loans could be for rigs, it could be for trucks, could be for piping, paying bills, paying paying uh, payroll. When those when those loans go belly up, guess who's holding the bag? Not just the banks, but you are holding the bag now because you are unsecured creditor to the oil industry as well because your money was used to lend to them uh, and expecting a nice return and they would they would make their, their spread and pay you your two, two or three basis points and, and 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 make money and show great profits in each quarter so but that's in the worst case scenario everybody's holding the bag anymore so that's the bigger difference you were a liability versus a creditor so before you were required to be paid now you don't have to be paid you're, you're secondary so, so let me just let me add this to to put it into perspective for everyone. That means that if there are deals on the books, meaning banks are speculating, banks are investing, anything that causes the bank to have a loss, you are proportionately responsible for that loss. Is that accurate? Yes. And so, yes, so that was the Dodd Frank Act. That was the yeah, Dodd Frank Act. People want to look it up. Yep. So the point that I guess that's really critical right now is to understand that that's a huge change. Yet you know what? I explain that. I explain that to a lot of people. Uh, some of them are mutual clients, Rob, and some of them get it. But you know, when I talk to the average person, they shrug their shoulders. They they shrug their shoulders. And so when we're talking about 
look, jobs, the crashing of the oil and coal business, hello, does anybody think that's going to be good for this country? The fallacious lies that uh, somehow ethanol would save this country, or wind energy, or solar, hello, does anybody get it? So I guess the thing is, it's kind of this, you can either put your hands in the lying, uh, adulterous, perverse system, or you can start to take control of your own lives. I can tell you this, uh, after being, I don't know, 20, however long I've been on talk radio, and Doug, I'm sorry this is a bad attitude, but I, I, you know, I don't even care anymore, I've just gone through, and Todd, you'll appreciate this, buckets and buckets of the CDs and tapes that, you know, you've gone through to get up my archives, and when they come up, we'll tell people, those are all the shows I've ever done, and, you know, what you look at, Doug, and you'll do this. You'll do this in retrospect someday, too, or Joe Will, or whoever, you know, uh, uh, follows you. And I'm not speaking about an untimely death, but same thing with you, Ross. What we leave to the next generation, you know, the Bible says they serve their generation well. The Bible also talks about those who pillage their generation. How many years, Ross, have others, you included me, been saying, were literally eating up our children and grandchildren's future? But that, that even that people don't understand. You want to comment on that? I think what I'm trying to do, Ross, is get people to understand it is their short, uh, whatever, the short span of time. That, yeah, so go ahead and answer that if you wouldn't mind. Sure, sure. I mean, the the fact that the, the amount of debt that we have in this country is unsustainable. For instance, the 19 going on $20 trillion that was pushed through, hammered through by the, the anointed House of the, the anointed Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. And so, and then walked, gave everything to Obama just like Harry Reid would have. So that $20 trillion debt is, is, un, is unpayable. I mean, it's, it, there's unserviceable. So when you start to see them creeping up interest rates, you start to see treasury rates have started going down again because we can't service that debt. So when we spend ourselves into oblivion, that's essentially saying, okay, when I die, I'm going to leave you $300,000 worth of debt to my children, but you need to pay that off because I don't care because I'm dead anyways. You, you guys need to pay it off. And that's essentially what we're doing. So instead of leaving your children an inheritance and a nest egg and a college education for your grandkids or your great-grandkids or a beach house or, or what, whatever you think you want to leave to them, what the government is doing and doing it to you is that they're essentially ha- tying the hands of your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren at this point to a point of slavery where they're never going to be able to pay this debt back. So I have 25, 30 years, God willing, to live longer at my age. So, But after that, my kids take it on and my grandkids take it on and they take it on. It'll never get paid back. So we've, we've enslaved ourselves with debt. And nobody really seems to care. That's just like falling on deaf ears. That's that normalcy bias. Well, there's nothing we can do about it. And they embrace di- different candidates that talk the talk and say this different thing, but nothing ever changes. We vote different people in. You know, we're going to stop this, but they just grease the skids and move it on. Everybody gets co-opted and, and does the same thing. So in the revolving door between corporations and and government and, and, and financial and banks and Treasury Department, you know, how many, you can go and look at it, how many times has the Treasury Secretary in the, in the modern era not been a Goldman Sachs employee formally? Either a chairman or a senior vice president or some investment banker, big piece of Goldman Sachs has always been the next Treasury, 
Treasury Secretary. Even Bernie Sanders said, no, Goldman Sachs will not be my Treasury Secretary if I get elected. So he must say that for a reason. I'm not proposing it. I'm not, you know, for any, either one of any of these candidates. But at the end of the day, we have to think through what we're doing. What, you're, what are you leaving the next generation? If you're selfish and narcissistic and you don't care, well, I can't help you. But if you want to be altruistic and you want to help your children, you want to help your neighbor and your community, things need to change. And can you change it at the $20 trillion level? Probably not. You can probably change it for your family, for your friends and your church members and, and neighbors and things, but you can't do it on a global scale. It's just you don't have the wherewithal. So that's where people say, well, if they shrug their shoulders, you said, Stephen, there's nothing I can do about it. You can do it at a micro level. You can't do it at the macro level necessarily unless there's a groundswell of people voting somebody that they can that can make it through the gauntlet to get to where they could even become president or be somebody in Congress where you thought you did, but they get co-opted. How do you change that? I, it's beyond my, it's beyond my figure. I don't know how to change. It. I wish I could tell folks how to do that. You can vote at the polls, but if you can't get somebody to vote for, that's not going to just going to carry the flag on. You you got no shot. So it can be frustrating, but you can do it at a micro level in your own sphere of influence in your home and your neighbors and and community. And I think that, that that leads into the whole Chinese issue, because again, if Doug, Joe, if we look back over everything that's been on talk radio for the past quarter of a century, you know, that uh, I've been talking about, others have been talking about, it's not that it's about those of us who have been doing it, it's about we're at the place now where when the Pope talks about a one world religion, people want to argue, well, you know, he doesn't really mean that. When he puts up a, uh, a high quality production, he really does mean that. People have to rethink when they're talking about a global ID card. Here's, we can't do anything, Ross. Here's a proverb. And, and I love quoting Solomon before he, you know, went wacky, but he said, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And I'm telling you, here's the problem. Here's the disconnect. And I'll turn it right over to you, Ross, to go into the Sino-American economic war. The fact is, is that the foundations of this country are destroyed. The very uh, principles embodied in the Star-Spangled Banner, yet people still shake their head. They get all caught up in the politics, and yet they don't recognize this. You can't build something new on a foundation that's crumbled. So the Sino-American Economic War of Attrition that's what's going on right now, and China is calling the U.S. bluff. Vladimir Putin is demonstrating, you know, he's a man of action, not a man of par for golf, or I don't know anything about golf, forgive me, golfers. So, you know, foreign policy can't be won, and, and, and military decisions can't be uh, made uh, on a whim, yet that's what's happening. It, it, listen, America is self-destructing. People yell at me when I say that. I can challenge anybody who can tell me. You know, it's fascinating. Let's say some guy has a hundred dreams, a hundred visions every, you know, week, and he posts them. And yet, they're as dire as what we say, but when we say them, somehow it's, it's selling, uh, selling uh, fear to sell this, that, or the other thing. Well, let me share this. 
when you buy life insurance, you go out and you spend whatever it takes to cover your, your family in the case of your untimely demise, or you know that your time is up. Because you care about them, you care about the next generation. That's gone. And now China, the history of China is a fascinating study because, you know, we go back to 17, you know, 76, you go back to China, you can deal with dynasties that are 2,000 years old where they understood the basics of what money is. And when the Chinese tried to print silk money, guess what? Those guys didn't last very long. So let's talk right now. The Sino-American Economic War, Ross, I'll turn it right over to you because, again, the Chinese are buying up everything pretty much on the West Coast. And, right, and I mean, Steve, all over the uh, Go ahead. Uh, and Steve and Russ, if I could jump in here. The president said something during the State of the Union. He said something, and I'm paraphrasing, along the lines of anybody who says we're in an economic downturn is peddling fiction. What do you have to say to that? No, I consider the well, union fiction as well, but that's okay. Well, let me say this. I'm not the one on a blue bicycle eating an ice cream cone with a crash helmet on while Vladimir Putin is diving to, into the Black Sea or, you know, look, I'm not just saying this. I'm saying the world's perception of that guy that you just named is one of weakness and freakness. Now, the thing is, is that the total disrespect that the world, and, and I went on your show years ago and talked about that the United States would become a hissing in the nostrils of those countries around about. You know there are even headlines using those terms? I'm not saying they're listening to us. I hope they are, but, you know. So, so what I'm saying, Joe, is that is as relevant, okay, is a vampire saying, I've switched from blood to water. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. And he certainly doesn't believe that because, look, the only thing that gives the power to even make a, uh, uh, a, an insane statement like that is the power of the printing press. The rest of the world, Ross is going to deal with it, uh, you know, China, Russia, they don't want the U.S. dollar. They're not dealing with it. Saudis, they're not dealing with it anymore. So this whole idea of crashing oil prices, the whole idea of China buying all the gold, and I, I think, too, Ross, it's fascinating that, that you know, when, when you're quoting the art of war, China's not going to tell the world how much gold they have until they're ready to revalue it. So go ahead and talk about China, because I don't think the average American even can fathom what it means when China is doing, or what it means as China is doing what it's doing. Go ahead, sir. Sure, sure. The the China the big day is tomorrow. Actually, Tuesday, Chinese the Chinese are going to release their GDP for 2015. They've been they've been uh, I guess posturing it or framing it as going to be in the 6.7 range, uh, but they also do overnight devaluations of their currency, which just, which just unsettles the entire world economy. Uh, if it's anything less than that, if it's which many people that I read and I talk to think it's going to be in the three to four percent range, it really is. They may say it's six, but it really is is three. And the reason I believe that is I have a customer that lives in China as an expat. He does business over there, and I set up him a account. He moved his retirement money out many many months ago, um, and really glad he did actually. But he travels all over the country, and I'm going to read you verbatim what he said in his email to me. He goes, the thing that it continues to amaze me is the construction here in China. All the, In the area where I live, about 900 acres, they are about 75% complete on 25 new 30-story high-rise buildings, all empty, probably on seven acres. He goes, I can stand at this location and view similar projects within a mile. 
he does a lot of travel by train. He sees it all over the place in China. And he says the locals look at him in a blank They're like, who the hell is going to buy these things? So what, what's actually happening, and it just dawned on me after I read his email, and then I thought about it and just had an epiphany, I don't know, maybe on uh, Friday, it came to me, uh, is that that drives GDP. If you're building construction and you're using up all these materials and you're building these buildings and putting up these homes, and even though there's nobody to live in them, that's creating GDP. So it's false GDP, but they can say they're using it for that. And so by faking the numbers and just building up empty buildings that they could just, I guess, go back and knock down again then and rebuild them again, there's your GDP. And uh, and so it just it just baffles me. And, and this is eyewitness. That was verbatim from an eyewitness in China, an American. So that kind of thing tells me that the dew is off the rose. There, there was more to the eye than that's being either seen or told and I'm, I'm because of the number of the, the way the market is going the capital flee from china and back in october i told this audience that the chinese will get their their sdr and there was a lot of finagling and back when there was a bunch of shots over the bow during that the months ensuing before that before the december the decision but but i said that they're doing the, the fed's going to raise the rates and they did a quarter point like we we, we projected and since they did that, a lot of money from China is moving in onshore here. And as Steve said, they're buying anything and everything they, that's not nailed down on the West Coast, on the East Coast, in the in the in the belts, in the in the farm belts, everywhere. They're buying stuff as much as they can because they know that the shoe's going to drop. They want hard assets, just like we tell people they need to get hard assets. They're not putting it in in, in remember, They're not putting it in dollars. They're exiting out of all that and putting into hard assets, things that's going to be productive, like farmland or places where people have to live. So they're exiting, and they've had to put so many capital controls, and, and the Chinese had a great way of moving money around into different areas and moving the money. It's almost like money laundering around their different areas and then getting out of the country. Numerous billionaires have disappeared. In China, they just suddenly disappeared. Uh, you have the, the person that's running the stock market in China is... is their call for his resignation. He's, he's offered his resignation. I haven't heard whether he took it or not. But you see this huge volatility in China dropped off several trillion dollars of money out of uh, out of the Chinese market, in which obviously equates to people. And so there, everybody's getting really irritated. It's like you told us, and then they have people locked in. They can't even sell their holdings because they told you can't sell it. It's going to bring the market down. So what if you let's say that you owned a thousand shares of of Exxon and, and you'd see it tanking from. 250 to 2 to 150 to 1, you, you're trying to get out. They said, no, you can't sell it, and you watch your money just drip away down to $20. So that's where these people are, are, are locked in. So those, the folks in China are the individual, just like you and I and, and Joe and, and Doug and their listeners, are just pawns in this because there's much bigger, more nefarious powers involved that are playing this big game of... of of, of petrodollar, what essentially this is coming to, because there's this whole roar of attrition we've been talking about since, I guess, May of last year, is, is heated up to the point where it's destroying both sides, as that mutual assured destruction aspect is coming about. Our market's taking hits, or the, the Chinese markets are taking hit, the Asian, other Asian markets are taking a hit, oil's taking a hit. Gold, on the other hand, is, has come back down, but it's still moving back up again, so it's going to be, it's going to start balancing. Now, gold is manipulated just like anything else. And I can, Steve, you can attest to this. But you can. And I'm digressing a little bit from China, but they're big buyers of gold. And you, you were talking about the gold hoards that they have. You can watch Americans as the price of gold goes up, people chase it going up. And I think Steve, 
you and I have talked about this a couple of times. People chase the price of gold going up and ignoring it as a going down thing. That's a bad investment when they have it completely reversed. So what happens is gold has run up. It's probably run up to what's at, I think it's at 1190 right now. I can guarantee you in a three or four days it's going to drop again by 15 or $20 because the people that are running it up are shorting it on the other end. So people chase the mark, the gold up. The banksters and the people that are in control, that are manipulating the market short it. They make a ton of money. Then they run it up again. It's like an O-scope. You can actually plot this on a graph. You're almost creating a sine wave of, of, of lead up and short, lead up and short. So I just want everybody to be cautious because the Chinese are doing the same thing. And you're wondering where I'm going with this, but the, but at the end of the day, you have falsities everywhere in the economy, whether it's Chinese or, or in the Americas or in Canada. The Canadians are suffering big time because of their their exchange rate against the dollar. So so the the Chinese and the Russians are saying, look, we're tired of the American game and the homogeny of the Americans. We're tired of Americans just printing dollars because of the petrodollar from the from the 70s. So the Chinese and the Russians have created these boards where they can trade in yuan and they can trade in rubles. Putin said last week that no bank should make any transfer for oil, any other commodity in dollars whatsoever. The Chinese are doing the same thing. So now that the yuan is going to be in the SDR, more and more countries are accepting the yuan as a reserve currency and being able to trade directly with yuan versus having to go through the SWIFT system and transfer one currency to dollars and then dollars into this other currency. They're cutting out the middleman altogether, which just adds more pressure to the petrodollar, and they're trying to get rid of it. And, and there has been brief... Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Joe. Sorry to interrupt you. I just want to let you know we got about a minute before break. So if you want to... Sure, uh, let me just... I'll bring yeah, one, one last thing, and then, and then we can finish and go into to break here. But so you have the Russians and the Chinese working to get rid of it. You have the Indians and South Africans and Brazilians, all the BRICs, of setting up all this infrastructure to cut the dollar out. And when we come back from the break, I'll give you a real-life story how gold from Dubai just disappeared. People thought it was ripped off or stolen. Turns out they used other currencies to, to move it and to, and to sell it and to move it. And they avoided the American SWIFT system. They avoided the uh, uh, the dollar, which was a huge coup, which was one of the fr- another chink in the armor. So um, after at that, I'll, that's all I got. All right, folks, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on this Monday, January 18th, 2016. Our guest tonight is Steve Quayle from SteveQuayle.com and Ross Powell, Survival 401k. That's Ross Powell, Survival 401k. We're talking about the globalist Luciferian elite and the economic uh, factors and the Baltic Dry Index and the the uh, how important it is and the historic lows that we are seeing the uh, index at right now. Folks, uh, May, 20 May 2008, the index reached record high, okay, 11,793 points. That gives you an idea, okay, Baltic Dry Index, May 20th, 2008, 11,793. What is it right now? 369. And that's unbelievable numbers. Um just a huge drop, and you notice that May 20th, 2008, right before the actual recession and financial chaos we saw here in America, um, that you know created great havoc. We'll be right back after these short messages. Again, Steve Quayle and Ross Powell from Survival 401k are our guests. They'll be here for the whole show. Stay with us for hour number two, right after these messages. This is the Global Star Radio Network.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this hour, hour number two of the Hagman and the Hagman Report on this very special Monday edition, Monday, January 18th, 2016. Our very special guest, Mr. Steve Quayle, stevequayle.com, Ross Powell, survival401k.com. Folks, bookmark, visit both sites. Uh, Mr. Powell is an expert economist. I, that's my description of him, okay? He made, uh, he, 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 well, he, to me, he's an expert economist. He's Framing the economy, uh, the state of the economy, not uh, giving any, not pulling any punches, and so is Steve Quayle putting in the larger sense and putting in against the uh, t- backdrop of uh, the larger picture here, the Luciferian globalist elite. And you know what? They're coming after not not just your money, not just your birthright, but your soul. And you got to understand the bigger picture, folks. Before we get back to them, want to mention that portions of the nice broadcast brought to you by nuts.com, N-U-T-S.com. Folks, please visit nuts.com. Take a look at what they have. You will not believe the taste, the freshness, the, of all of their nuts, their snacks, their dry fruits, their cooking, uh, baking ingredients, everything you could possibly want, the sweet treats, the, uh, coffees and teas that cover 39 varieties of coffee, coffees and 170 flavors. Folks, if you go to uh, nuts.com right now and enter in the microphone box HH. That's nuts.com. Enter in the microphone box HH. New customers will receive with their order four, four samples free. Four, uh, special samples. Four free samples. You can choose over, from over 50 options. That's a $15 value. When you go to nuts.com, click on the mic and enter our code HH. Now getting back to our guest tonight. Again, Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com and Mr. Ross Powell from Survival401k.com. Uh, Steve, you want me, you want, uh, to pop it over to Ross or you want to? Sure, I'm going to park, pop, pop it. I'm going to park it in Ross's, uh, <laughs> uh, parking lot right now because I think that with all his experience, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I've known Ross for over a decade. We started communicating that many years ago when he worked for one of the major banks and he would always be spot on with his, uh, emails to me telling me what's going on behind the scenes. So, he has a lot of connections, and that's what is important. This isn't him reading somebody else's newsletter. He will refer to it. But like I said, I've known him for a long time. Let's talk right now, if you don't mind. Let's talk about the stock market and why people focus on that. You know, they they think the Dow is up, and there's no and there's nothing in the shelves in the store, Ross. The, there's nothing being trucked. They they start to notice shortages and everything. Explain if you will, how how the stock market is manipulated and the volatility is screaming at people, okay? Sure, sure. But but before I get started, I just want to tell Doug, I've used nuts.com and I bought stuff from them, and they do a great job. So I just want to plug them, too, because they, they, they have great products. So I just well, want to make sure I say that. Thanks for that. So, Folks, you heard it. You heard it right from the economist himself, uh, nuts.com. Okay, sir, go ahead. So... I wanted to talk about the stock market, and it's just one facet of things you look at. We talked about the tapestry at the beginning of the show, and the stock market, which is manipulated and artificially inflated, and 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 our government does the same thing that the Chinese do. They pour money into it to to, to prop it up because again, there's a certain amount of confidence that the market collapses, and then people don't buy goods in in, in the stores and they retail clubs. So it's it's a it's a vicious cycle, and it will just spin out of control. But let's let's talk a little bit about. Uh, GDP in the United States because we've mentioned China's gone announcing theirs tomorrow and that being it whether it's 6.7 or 3 uh, 
we'll find out where it goes, and I think the market's going to follow suit with that. If the if the Chinese GDP is comes out and it's really strong, I think you'll see a bounce in the market, uh, but then it'll, it'll the, the the fervor will blow away and it'll back down again. But if you, if you think about the numbers, so in 2014, 2015, these haven't come out from our government yet. The, GD, the official GDP, and it always gets after the news cycle goes by, they always lower it to a new estimate or actual numbers. They'll re, they'll uh, revise it. You'll always see it always gets revised downward. But in the, in, in the third quarter of of 2015, going into the fourth quarter, J.P. Morgan Chase, who's one of the, the top ones, and I used to work for them. They're they're really smart guys. I mean, I, I have to tip their CEO is a smart guy. They said that the the estimated Q, Q4 2015, which is from October through December, they were looking at a GDP annualized at two percent. Then they revised it down to one percent, and then towards the end of the year, they said 01 percent. Okay, that's that's dead in the water. I mean, if you have to get two percent even to keep people working, so they revised it down to 1.1 percent is what their estimate what it would be. So that shows you where retail is. That's why Walmart is closing stores. That's why McDonald's is closing stores. Sears is going to have a huge closure. I, I, they're going to be belly up in no time. So they're shuttering doors. All these retailers are shuttering their doors. Number one, they're getting beaten by the, the online folks because people just don't want to go out and fight the traffic and fight the fight the crowds. They'd rather just order it, and the more efficient Amazon gets. And when you can get something from Amazon within one hour in your town, what's the point of going to the store and fighting and getting dressed and when you can order something in your pajamas and have it delivered to your house within one hour? So our GDP is, is for no better word, is, is in the tank. And so you'll see the numbers revised down, and people that are not working, and it co- correlates back to the 9.9 U6 number of unemployment, and you're starting to see layoffs in, in big banks. You're seeing layoffs in some, some startups, some big major people that are, are, that are startups that are suddenly laying folks off that were supposed to be the, the bee's knees of technology. And what's causing a lot of that is that venture capitals, I tend to call them, I've learned my own lesson on that, but the vulture capitals, is where they're expecting a return on their money, not waiting years upon years saying profits coming, profits coming, and their money sits there in the in the negative growth mode. Whereas before you had Facebook and Twitter and all these companies that were negative, and now they're starting to grow. You have all these other startups, and, and people were patient with those startups, and there's a lot of other smaller ones that are coming that are pretty revolutionary uh, technology-wise. Doesn't build community, doesn't help your neighbor, doesn't us, but it just makes you life as a as a supreme narcissist makes you more important to others. But but at the, at the end of the day, these people that make money by loaning money, saying I want to see some action now, and so you're seeing some major players. I meant to write down a couple of them, but I, f- I forgot to do that before the show. But some some major players that are, and you look it up online, are major players are laying off folks that they never thought they would because they thought they'd just keep growing and growing and have the growth curve of Microsoft or Facebook or Twitter, and I think Twitter's laying off folks. And you, so you have people leaving these jobs not on their own free will but because they these capitalists these vulture cap, these capital guys want their return on their investment and I can't blame them I don't want to give my money to somebody that's going to take it and use it and not get me anything in return you, they're there to make money so I, I, that's the American way so that's that's happening so that tells you that ties in that the folks that have a lot of money are requiring requ- requiring action and requiring results that tells you that they're not getting results. So they wouldn't be doing this if, if things were all peaches and cream. They're thinking that something they have to squeeze 
squeeze the orange a little tighter to get more juice out of them. So that's just another one of the threads in the tapestry. Now you look at the stock market, and people look at it, well, this market here, the market there, and it, it goes down three straight days, and it bounces up for 200 points, and then and then it comes back down again, and then the next, it finishes up maybe 100 points, and it, then, the, then the next day you'll see, I think it was Friday or Thursday, that the, the futures, I look at it like 3 o'clock, and one of the futures are at, are at down 500. The market opens up down down 400, then it comes back up again, then then it back it's back down to it's down 500, and it, this was Friday, so it ends the day at 390 down. So I expect we'll get a dead cap bounce tomorrow of some kind, depending on what's going to happen. Probably early in the morning, when they find out the Chinese numbers, and you'll see the and if you look at the markets, you can go to a litany of different sites: CNBC, Yahoo Finance, Bloomberg, a litany of folks where you can actually see the future market starting at around 10 to midnight, then you'll see it through the morning until about 8 o'clock central time. And you'll watch those numbers that people are saying, I'm going to sell, I'm going to get out, or I'm going to buy, and so that affects your, your futures numbers. And so once that announcement by the Chinese comes about, you're going to see either a spike or direct falling like a stone because they're, they're, everybody's got their expectations. And the stock market is all about expectations. It's not about reality. It's not. It's all about perception and expectations. So, something I learned at the banks: you have to manage perceptions. You have to make people believe what you're saying. You have to make sure that they understand what you're trying to tell them and the way you're framing it up. And regardless of what, what the facts are, you have to set the per- perception that you're on the right side of it. So, you're going to look at this and say, "Okay, well, the market's going to go up," and so. We've lost what 12% since the beginning of the maybe 10 to 12% since the beginning of the year. Worst start ever since the stock market numbers were tabulated. They've never had a, a first week like that ever. Even in 2008 and 2009, it didn't. It, it did wasn't that bad of a, a first week. Can you imagine that? So think about how bad 2008 and 9 were, and look at what where we are today. So seven years later, which we're right at the end of that seven-year recession cycle, you're looking at eight years if you count 2008 uh, capitulation. So you look at that and say, okay, here we go. We're, we're at that cycle where you can have a recession every seven to eight years, and it, it, there's that same O-scope or that same sine wave that up and down. We're right on that edge, and so we're right there. But the difference between 2008 and today, and Joe, you mentioned it before the break, in 2008, in the midst of the complete catastrophe of the mortgage business, and I was in the thick of it then, that's, Steve, you and I traded a lot of emails during that period, uh, where people were found smoking guns inside of banks where they actually packaged deals that were really bad, and that's why one of the banks is no longer with us. But you, you look at that number, and the dry index was over 11,000. The Baltic dry index was over 11,000 in the midst of all of that catastrophe because trade kept still going and, and there was things between countries. Now we're in the same situation with oil and a few other things, but the Baltic Dry Index is at 369. So that, between that and the market's volatility, I mean, I can remember not and this was long as I don't remember a time of period where other than 2008 where I just watched it go from down 400 points, down 500 points, down 600 points until we got to 6,000 or so where they finally bottomed out. Now we're seeing something so volatile that one minute you're thinking the market's up 200 points, you look back two hours later, and now we're down 100 points. So the the sheep run to and fro across the spectrum, and you just don't know where you're going to land. 
and it drives people out of their minds. People that call me to say, what can I do with my money? How do I get out of this volatility? I feel like I'm in the casino. I'd rather go flush this 20 down the toilet than, than put it in the market because I know where it's going to end up regardless. So that's the kind of thing where it just, I, I think the perception and then people just tired of it. And, and you'll hear the same, the same talking head saying just it's played out for the long term. It always will recover. It always will recover. Well, what if you, what if you took your money out before it had bombed out and then you put it back in after recoveries, you're going to be in much better shape than if you, than if you, than you ran it through. So the adage of our parents and our grandparents saying just the stock market will be there, it always will be, and you can just, just ride it out, doesn't exist anymore because the times are different. It's, not, it, it's, it's completely, and I don't know how to explain it in any, any clearer terms, this is not your grandfather's or your grandparents' market. It's completely different. It's completely leveraged. You, they, your grandparents or your parents didn't have derivatives to the tune of $640 trillion, bordering on a, one people, some people say $1 trillion across the world. That could seize up all markets, and there's not enough money in the whole world, much less the galaxy, to to fix this. So people need to understand that when you look at the market, you see it continue up and down, up and down. Either you want to play that game, or you want to get into something else that's going to be more predictable and life-sustaining and things like that. And we can talk about that during the question and answer hour if we want to. Well, and Ross, here's the thing, too. You know, there are a lot of people listening in, and a time to move, if if they're seeing the swings, we're seeing the swings in the uh, stock market, people don't know where to go. So so when someone gets a hold of you at survival401k.com, you know, uh, okay, and they want to, will you explain simply, because I get emails about this all the time, explain the difference and why people can hold real estate, uh, they can hold anything that's a tangible asset in their survival 401k, a self-directed 401k, and take possession of it. I have talked sometimes, you got to call Ross because, you know, he sets us up for a lot of my clients, which, ladies and gentlemen, he does. But people have got to understand that, oh, well, it's only a paper loss. No, every single financial asset can be put into two things. It can be put into a time value, amount, the amount of time it took to build that value, and it can be put into calories because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you pay for what when it comes to food, okay? You're paying for calories. The whole global New World Order is designing all their policies to limit you to be basically uh, one step away from Soylent Green. Soylent Green was a movie with Charlton Heston in which when people died and they made sure people died, they ground them into food wafers to... Uh, the people, I guess you'd call them cannibal cookies. So there you go, Sheila, and those are those are those of you guys out there keeping track cannibal cookies. So the point is, is that we're seeing right now people bewildered. So okay, walk a person through. They say, they say, okay, Mr. Powell, I want to take X, whatever X is. Tell me what a self-directed IRA is, and tell me, uh, you know, what I can put into it. Sure. I mean, the average customer that calls me has between, I don't know, some days it's 60,000, other days it's 200,000, 300,000 have customers with 10 million that they move. It's as little as 10,000. But so essentially what they do is they're moving their stock market-based retirement, which is typical spread of equities and mutual funds and ETFs and, uh, and some stocks and things like that. That's 
again stuck is is in Wall Street, and and the thing that don't most of them don't realize, and once I finish something, they do, is that the people selling you those securities and all those things make money on you going in and going out. So regardless whether you make money, they you could take a loss year after year, but your 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 person handling it is going to make money on you either on a fee or on a transaction fee or an annual fee. They make money regardless of what happens to you. They can say they care about you, and many of them do. There's a, I'm not going to disparage a whole litany of people. There are some good ones, and there's some really bad ones, just like anything else, whether it's cops or firemen or radio hosts or wh- whoever. There are good and they're bad, but some, the ones that I met, are, are making money off of you just by putting your money and churning your account and putting it in this stock and then putting in that one and, and, and reading their tea leaves and putting it over here. I mean, I've dealt with a couple here, especially in San Antonio, that are as like-minded as me and move their customers into things that are going to be safe and they're going to actually going to make money. They think the dollar's going to go down, they short the dollar. If they think it's going to go up, they short something else. So they, they don't just stick with this classic equities mix. So at the end of the day, people need to understand that you if you made your money, you should be able to control a little bit better. And so with customers that come to me, we help them move their money out of the market, some or all. I mean, there's three legs to the stool that we talk about, and Steve and you and Doug and I think we've talked about this before. There's three things to every plan to make you successful. You need return of an investment, which would be wealth preservation, which would be gold, silver, real estate, things like that. You need return on investment, which is your growth engine, to make sure that you don't stay static or lose money to inflation. And that's return on investment. And then you have liquidity, meaning that you need to be able to access your money when you need it. So you either can liquidate positions and things, or you can uh, access the gold and silver to go and barter with, for instance. That's one of the cases. Or you can use your land to grow vegetables that you could eat or, or, or all kinds of things. It could be hydroponics, it could be food stores, all those things. But those are things that you need to survive. And at the end of the day, you can't eat gold and silver. You can't eat paper dollars. You can't eat stock certificates, ETFs, all those things. We have to get. You're going to get down to the point in the near future, I think 2016, 2017 is going to be where it's going to happen, is that you're going to get down to the basic needs of shelter, f- food, and water, and the comfort therein. So that it's if it's too hot, too cold, wherever you want to be able to keep yourself warm, keep yourself cool, feed yourself every day, feed your family. I would hope you would provision for your neighbors in some kind of tithing function that you take care of folks that are not as, as well off as you, mind that they may come and try to take it, so you have to be prepared for that as well. But but the folks that come to me, we have to go through the whole education of Here's here's what you've been taught all along. Here's your normalcy bias. Here's your period of cognizant dissonance, which may be three day, as early as one day to three days to a week. Then we get back into it, and you recognize that you want to take control, and, and then we talk through what do you want to do. And then we move their money out of the stock market into their own account where they can manage it with a checkbook or a, or a debit card, and they can buy the metals and hold it at home in the safe. They can... Uh, buy land, you know, farmland, which the billionaires are buying up, but the Chinese are buying up in bulk. You have uh, rental properties, or you have seller finance notes, or you have private loans, private equity, flipping houses, a litany of different things. Uh, foreclosures Here's the point, or- hey, Ross. Ross, let me interrupt you for a minute. To explain, too, that a lot of the smartest guys, you know, uh, I post a lot of Eric King's news because Eric is in contact with, you know, I would say this, and I told him, I said, Eric, I don't know a billionaire you don't know, but what 
a lot of them are saying too is this is that they need people need to take personal responsibility and just a re, the return of your investment is now even taking precedent over return on investment so let's oh, take farmland you know let's take farmland okay i mean people can buy farmland can they not they can buy land and and obviously land is based on location 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 but they can buy that out of their 401k where that used to not be uh, allowable in a 401k to have it in your own control it had to be with a guardian that is correct is it not that's correct you you are the custodian and the trustee of your plan and you choose where you want to invest it so right then but and so we we recommend people talk to them before they just go running off willy-nilly let's build a plan and you're dead on the return of investment is the most important thing that you do today just your wealth preservation is the most important thing there may be a year of, of wealth preservation over growth and that's just now let, let me ask you this and I want to I want to put this because I, I know I maybe jump the gun because in the third hour you're going to take questions and stuff but the idea that do you believe here's a question that I'm asking you do you believe there's a disconnect with all the prophetic events happening and the announcement of basically a one-world religion, the Pope has pretty much made it as plain as uh, uh, anything, even even is spelling out what the book of Revelation had prophesied 2,000 years ago. Do you believe that if you can't, you know, I made the statement years ago, if you can't touch it, you don't own it. But what do you think will be the leverage, because at some point it's going to be a national idea, I think you believe 2017 is the start of the tribulation, people will argue over that, but if people don't put it into stuff they can barter with stuff they can even leave the country with, and you know, people say you can't eat gold, I want to correct you a little bit, I have made a habit of seeing what meals cost in different places in South America uh, Europe, the Baltic I, I probably it's time to do it again and what what people don't understand, for instance, uh, Buenos Aires, you know, and some and, and some of the areas in Chile, and and Scotty, uh, one of my friends who lives down in Chile, said, "Man, Steve, you can get a meal here, you know." And some of the and, and in essence, an ounce of gold will pretty much buy you uh, a minimum uh, around the world of of somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 120 meals. Okay, I'm calling it 1,200, 1,100. Let's say 110 meals. And then what's critical for people to understand is this, is, and I want your answer on this because I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but the time is coming based on the one world government, based on the one world religion, based on the global ID, where we're not going to be able to buy, rent, sell, or trade. Now, that's open to discussion when the, the day actually comes. But, Ross, I think a lot of our... Uh, standard investment advice, especially in the Christian world, is absolutely ludicrous, in, and this is my opinion, okay, is ludicrous considering the times we live in. Do you want to address that? In other words, if you have any type of paper asset versus in your hot little hand or whatever, and the, the national ID or you know, global ID comes in, and they basically say, we're taking everything unless you take the, the, you know, the, the mark of the beast. Now, we can argue over when the mark of the beast goes into implementation. I think it's safe to say the technology for that to take place is already uh, pretty much at the already forefront here. of headlines. 
So, so I guess what I'm saying, I want people to understand something. You provide an alternative to standard paper-based assets. And if they are going to crash the world's economies, they being the new world order, which they have set, as even people lost track of the statement by uh, 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 the, the president's, uh, I forget the name of the guy, but one of the economic advisors for, uh, um, what's his name, Obama. <laughs> when uh, I call him so many other names, I can't even remember his real name. The deal is, is that when they took office, they said, we're going to kill the dollar. People don't get it. It was the dollar that settled debts in oil and international transactions that allowed the West to excel at everyone else's expense. And payback is going to be very difficult. So I guess it's kind of a statement and question. The question is, do you believe, okay, given what you know, that putting stuff into paper outside of deeds and like pulling an Ezekiel and burying them, you know, in a glass pottery a jar or something. Do you believe that outside of uh, real property and tangible things that you will be able to buy and sell? Because we're told in the Bible that Christians will be locked out of the system, and we're already seeing that in the Middle East. Your comments? Sure. I mean, I think from everybody needs to get be have either a skill or or tangible object that they can barter with. I, I agree with that completely. As to the, when the tribulation starts, I don't know. I just put in my notes that it just seems like when President Obama, if he becomes the General Secretary of the UN, which he's petitioning for, or there's rumors thereof, and Netanyahu apparently is trying to stop it, I, I, and you have a pope that says the things that he says, I'm just looking at things saying, well, that's, that just seems to mesh all too easily. But to, to answer your question is, you need to have what I would say three three months worth of of things, either in food for yourself, but also for your for your bills and things like that. You need to have that either in gold or cash or other kind of things that you can barter with to take care of all that. But but to your point, you can use gold and silver to to buy meals or to barter. You can put you can I tell some of my customers to store up things that are would be considered vices, like and it may offend somebody, but alcohol and cigarettes and other things like that. That's People don't stop drinking. They don't stop smoking once, even if, if the economy collapses. So those are things that are borrowable. You can be tools. It can be skill sets. If you're a welder, you're a plumber, you're an electrician, mechanics, all those people are still going to mean you can barter that for food or energy or wood, you know, cord wood or anything like that. So, yeah, Steve, the, you're going to be strained or your, your situation, I mean, your family is going to be under a lot of stress to meet your day-to-day Lifestyle. I mean, the people's idea of what their lifestyle is today is going to be completely different. The fact that they're going to get to the point where there's, I'm just glad I got a roof over my head, I can eat, I have, I like to read by or I like to do something, I may have, be able to have hot water, take a bath in, or shower, and I can drink water. So, and you have neighbors and family that can do the same. So, folks are going to band together in neighborhoods or create what's called a, a, a what's called, I believe it's called a MAG. It's a mutually a mutual assistance group. Where it may be people that are doctors and dentists and vets and and uh, carpenters and plumbers all work together to build a, a community that they know they can they self sustain on some property that they buy together, for instance. I work with customers that are all part of that. So at the end of the day, it's going to be you and your preparations, you and your I would first call first you and your prayer life and your relationship with the Almighty. But you also have to make preparations to, to, to participate in the economy because you can't get around that. 
So we'll, once they take the step one further, is you're talking about you can't buy or sell. Can you even work? If you don't take the mark, can you even earn a salary? Can you even, can you even participate in the labor force? Or you have to be a 1099 employee, or you have to be where a lot of people that they say they're in the shadows or the, or the shadow economy, many of them are undocumented workers. They live like that day to day right now. They don't, they can't go and participate in credit cards or they can't participate in certain things because they're not actual citizens. So they have to work on a cash basis or a bartering situation and Christians in general may be the same way. And I would, I would even venture to say that even the very faithful people of, of, of the Jewish faith might have to face the same thing as well. So at the end of the day, we all have to be prepared to either one, take care of our families, but two, help our neighbor and our relatives who may not be there. Does that answer your question? Does that get to the gist of what you're asking? Well, kind of, but here's the thing, you know, and, and please, again, this is to give the issue a full view. It used to be that you couldn't have precious metals. It used to be, and, and by the way, uh, you have people too, and I don't recommend this unless people are very sophisticated, but you have people putting in like, uh, 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 high dollar diamonds. My definition of a high dollar diamond for all the jewelers and savvy people out there is, uh, D, you know, uh, color, internally flawless, two to three carats, which based on where you can find them, you know, run, I mean, uh, you know, it seems like when the wealthy get wind of what's going down, they run to those things. Now, I'm not saying most people listening to this show go out and buy Picassos, but the one thing that's interesting to me is for something to be in, in the prepper's view, you know, and people argue with this, well, people say, well, I'm just going to trust God, and and uh, he'll provide for me. Well, I say, if you live in that world now, I believe you, and that's not a question. But the question is, is if they do nothing and expect God to do everything, well, watching, you know, the latest uh, nonsensical church service with 50,000 people uh, basically uh, preaching la-la land and uh, click your red slippers to, together and you get to go out of here before things get tough, you know, here's the deal. I don't believe, and this is me now talking, so ladies and gentlemen, this this is me, not Ross. I don't believe Christians take the time seriously. Some of them do, but the majority even of preppers, okay? So I'm just saying this. I think that things have to, you know, have to scale up. And I think, you know, we've heard of baptism in water, baptism in fire. Here's another one, baptism in reality. Because reality avoidance is something I encounter every day in, uh, you know, how, whatever percentage of my emails. I get 400, sometimes 500, sometimes 200. But the point is, is, is that the, the, the people are, I, I liken them to a lot of them, they just don't believe this stuff is going to happen because they say, they always fall back to position. I've been hearing that for 20 years. My grandfather thought that, my dad thought that, and I'm not going to think that. And I said, well, your grandfather and your father were intelligent. Don't abandon genetic intelligence because you don't believe something. So what I'm saying is, is that, I'll make this statement, we'll go on. I don't believe that 
Christian, and I want to define something. My definition of a Christian is someone who's bought with the blood of Jesus, who follows Jesus, who absolutely is known of Jesus. I had this talk earlier with Pastor Langford. Doug, I think you and I had this talk too. Why would Jesus say, many will come to me in those days saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we do all these things? And he says, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. The point is, you can say you know Jesus. But where is the fruit in your life that Jesus knows you, okay? It's just like the faithfulness. I had a guy just send me an email. He doesn't believe the ten talents are literal. I guess he probably doesn't believe any of the parables are literal. The people who try and spiritualize everything also try and excuse away their lack of action. I can tell you this. I've got enough uh, time on radio and enough emails, and I had to have my guy come over Ross and download 276,000 emails for two years. Okay? Wow. 276,000. So the point that I think is critical is it's simply this. Ownership is nine-tenths of the law, and there will come a time, and I'll turn right back to you, there will come a time where Christians already are being persecuted. They they will pass laws like the Nazis did in uh, Germany and the other uh, uh, nations of Western and Eastern Europe, where anything the Christians have, in this case it was the Jews and the Christians, and everything becomes fair game. Everything. So I think the thing is, is that people have have got to understand that the return of their investment is probably more critical than the return on investment. Because quite candidly, unless you buy a product at one price and you can sell it for a higher price, just the fact that you still have it in your hands beats the guy that said, "Oh no, there's been a cyber attack in my entire 401k that was 692,000." I actually know a guy. Uh, who basically lost 485000 and assumes he'll have the rest of his life to make it back. By the way, he's 55, and he's a Christian. Well, you know, if he can, God bless him. But if he can't, he's got the peace of mind that he can touch it and he owns it. And that's all I want to say on that, because, again, you know, what I, I talk to a lot of people, as you do, but the, the major disconnect is, Christians don't believe that day is going to come. Doug, do you encounter that too? Absolutely, Steve. All the time, all the time, and that's the you know that's what we're fighting. And you know what, Steve? In addition to that, and I, if if you don't mind me speaking on this, or you can speak on this. No, no, you no. speak on it. It's your show. Well, it's well, it's your show. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but uh, you've you've encountered so much of this over the years. When we talk, when we have shows like this, it's always categorized as fear porn, doom porn, or you know, um, uh, you know, to to uh, for example, you know, we're we're talking like this to sell something, whether it be precious right. metals or food, and and I to me. You know, I don't know how you survived a quarter of a century of talk radio. To me, this is, talk like that is the most inane and irresponsible conversation. Not, and I'm not taking, you know, I'm not, I'm not really taking to task those who say it, but, but those who know better and say it, I, I've got a problem with. Because what we're seeing right now is really crunch time. When you have a Baltic dry index at 369, um, these numbers, I mean, these mean, numbers mean things, and, and this is horrible. And if I could jump in here, you have two types of people, though. You have those who have gone out and, um, you know, created 
survival foods or, or survival services and books yes. for the purposes of solely making money. And then at the same time, you have those who are, are doing what they do to try to help people while running a business. And people have been, you know, jaded in the past by, you know, whether it's been mega pastors promising them, you know, money for, uh, you know, prayers for money or, or whatever, the prosperity right. gospel. Right. So there, there is a, um, people are timid, um, about selling things and, or buying things from somebody who's giving a bleak message. But I think if people were to step back, pull the emotions out of it and look at it from a practical perspective, uh, that would help them understand also where people are coming right. from. And, and I think all your points are great, but I, I think one thing we need to bring into this is that if it was only us, one, four of us crying from the wilderness, so to speak, then that would be one thing. And, yeah, we, yeah we're, we're trying to sell medals or 401K plans or get ratings on a radio show. That would be valid. And, and I think they would have their, their, the right to pull their, their arrows out. But when the Royal Bank of Scotland sends a, a newsletter to all its investors and say you need to sell everything buy bonds buy gold buy tangibles that's another th- that's that tells you then the ubs says starts says start buy gold sell everything else and buy gold when, when these major banking institution and investment houses say sell what you got and move into something different you probably should listen because they know something and and, and i'm not yeah, a big right. fan of george soros but george soros has publicly stated several times in the last two weeks this is worse than 2008. You have people in the Fed saying, now we're talking about negative interest rates, and that'll kind of get, segue us into, into the next section a little bit. But negative interest rates are already in Germany and France or across the EU a lot, which that means, and so you as the unsecured uh, debtor to the bank, or, or, or creditor to the bank, excuse me, you put in $1,000, and they say, well, your rate is negative 1%. Well, that means you just lost $10. Because if you put in a thousand dollars, ten percent is a hundred dollars, but one percent is ten dollars. Your negative interest, your rate for your for your savings. So at the end of that one year, you won't have that thousand dollars or eleven hundred dollars, which you're used to. You'll have nine hundred ninety dollars. So if you do that on an institutional level, so that means what they're trying to do is to, so you don't keep money in a bank, you don't keep it in cash, or it's liquid, or it's sort of a, still a liability because you're going to want your money. You may want cash. And that leads us to the whole discussion of the war on cash. And I think the whole negative interest rate is going to drive where people say, "Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to leave my money in the bank." And I'm now getting maybe ten base, ten basis points, or maybe twenty, or maybe even sixty if I'm on a jumbo CD for five years. I might even get point seven five, or maybe seventy-five basis points. But if they start saying, "Well, if you commit your money to a one-year CD, we'll only charge you a negative one percent." Uh, interest rate, but if you commit to five, we'll give you ten positive basis points. So they want to make sure people don't keep their money in the bank where they can actually transact it. They don't want you to write checks. They rather you use debit cards or everything digitalized, so that they can say suddenly, "Oh wait, you now have ten thousand dollars. We're just going to move that decimal point to the left one. You now have a thousand dollars overnight." So that's why the war on cash is there because if you have ten thousand dollars of cash stuffed in your mattress or in your safe next to your your, you know, your three monster boxes of silver coins and, and a sleeve of, of gold one-ounce American Eagles, and you have $10,000 in cash, that's a direct liability on the bank. You have, if you bring in a dollar or you have these cash, they have to honor it. That's a liability. If you don't have that cash, then everything is, they control everything. You control nothing. The same with the silver and the gold. If you can turn that into whatever the, the new world order uh, exchange device may be, whatever the currency is, whether it's a world dollar or it's a 
SDR or whether it's some iteration in between, you have that will be con directly convertible to that unless they outlaw it, which they did in the 30s. But you'd be amazed at the, the level of compliance that that was in the 30s. I still have dimes, gold, dime-sized, one-tenth ounce type of gold coins I, re I got from my grandma that she put a brown purse that we passed down generation to generation and had these gold coins in it. We should have turned them in, but now it doesn't matter because it's all is forgiven. But at, but at the end of the day, you having cash and liquid assets, and but as I mentioned in that three-pronged stool is liquidity, you having that ability to buy and sell outside of the digitized world is going to could be the 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 yay or nay of your death, or the yay or nay of your sickness or illness or starvation or or the harm to your children and your and your spouses. So that's and so you're going to see that as they bore on cash eats up, and they're going to try to push inflation. I mean, you may be a lot of people are saying that deflation is on the horizon. Great articles on Zero Hedge on that as well. But at, at the end of the day, food prices are not going to are only going to go up. So you need to have food, and, and whether it's cans from Costco or Sam's or your local grocery store, or it's storable foods, or it's uh, growing your own garden, which I would would recommend everybody do that, or it, it's even easier if you do hydroponics to grow your leafy vegetables, which will su sustain you, whether it's collard greens or spinach or lettuce or any of those kind of things will sustain you. Having that ability, either the willingness or the ability to do it, is going to make you different from somebody else that's just still in that cognitive, that's still in that normalcy bias, that everything's fine, I'm just going to go get my check, and I'm just going to go to the store when they find out that Ah, that store doesn't have it anymore, or your check didn't arrive. So I'm just, I can't, and I'd say this to my cousin, I can't stress hard enough that people need to get back to the basics of their lifestyles, forego the new DV, the, the new DVD player or the latest streaming device or latest phone, live with what you got, and focus on things that you can use in your life going forward, albeit, I mean, being food, water, Tools, skills, and the biggest thing that everybody needs besides their faith and their willing to, and the exercising their faith through prayer life and service to others, it's just like a muscle. Your faith is like a muscle, just like anybody, anything else in your body. Your faith needs to be exercised, but you need to be able to be mentally strong to to work through what's coming. You can be as, and Steve, well, I'm going to get back to the panic word for a second. You can be the most what, what, what was that doomsday prepper show that was on TV that just made people look like silly as fools and silliness and made made preppers look like a lot, a lot the laughing stock many times, and they always shot holes in their preparations and things. Yeah, but they never went to the Goldman. Hey, Ross, they never went to the Goldman Sachs bunker or any of the uh, billionaire bunkers, did they? All they did no. was vilify a mindset by uh, by you know basically uh, uh, showing people who had very little trying to do the best they can, okay? I actually know, I think, two of those people that were featured in that show. But the point is, is that every day on uh, uh, the London Daily Mail or the Telegraph or some of the world things, they're talking about the billionaires heading to their bunkers. Oh, yeah. Look, I live in Bozeman, Montana. And up the road from me, 30 miles up Big Sky, I mean, you've got the wealthiest people in the world living up there, and they've got, you know, bunkers in their uh, uh, basements, and, uh, you know, Bozeman's kind of a bailout point. But I think it's, it's it, it, if you fail, if you, let's, what, how does the statement go? 
Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Let me read this, and I'll turn it right back over to you. This is by Randy Conway. And Randy has been, and I know Randy, we had the most amazing run-in in a restaurant that he'd never gone to, and I was over Tom Horn, but here's the deal. God bless you, Randy. It says this, I weep for the unprepared. I weep for those who are caught unaware when men will die and it's too late for prayer. How sad that many will not believe and the cost of denial they will receive. When judgment falls, people will be frantic. The children will cry and the mothers will be in a panic. The fathers will watch their loved ones suffer because they were too proud to establish a buffer. The buffer is not that you can escape from the storm, but to do what you can to keep your family fed and keep them warm. A prudent man foresees evil and takes action to save himself. How sad to be a father who refused to even put some food on the shelf. The tears will flow long with rivers of blood, both mingling in the streets, a cruel and bitter flood. Money will be changed, and who knows what it will be worth. Now is the time to hear, not when trouble has been birthed. I weep for the women, and I weep for the children. I pray for protection from Satan's employed villains. But alas, I can but pray, I can act, act for you. You must decide that the word of God is true. Your decision will affect today, tomorrow, and forever. The Heavenly Father weeps, for he has invented whomsoever, I'm sorry, for he has invited whomsoever. Those who refuse to believe the truth as the watchmen cry are accursed then with a delusion that they should believe the lies. I weep for those who will be caught in the terrible panic. How can you describe what is coming except to say it will be satanic? Grievous times that God has warned us about. Multitudes scoff uh, the warnings living in a world of spiritual drought. Salvation waits for those who will be saved. Those who reject Jesus are destined to be enslaved. The enemy of our souls has planned for you a future that is depraved. In the palm of the Father's hand, the believer's name has been engraved. Now, one of these things really jumped out for me. I deal with people day in and day out that want to know if it's okay for them to protect their families. I deal with men who are asking that, and I go, oh, Lord. Help me to choose my word carefully in my email. Because at the end of the day, the critic won't be there to protect your wife, men. At the end of the day, the critic won't be there to provide you food, men. At the end of the day, the doors on the knock or, or, or the crowd calling you out, who is going to be there to stand with you? You know, this is a pretty powerful word, you know, Doug. This is a really powerful word. You know, it, it's, it's interesting the buffer is not that you can escape from the storm, but to do what you can to keep your family fed and keep them warm. A prudent man perceives evil and takes action to save himself. How sad to be a father who refused to even put some food on his shelf. This is basic to breathing. This is basic to living. This is basic to existence. This is the pioneer spirit, yet people simply won't do it. So, you know, Ross, you're a nice guy, and I, I love that about you. I have to be pragmatic, because I understand that, and I'm not saying you're not, but I have to be pragmatic, because the the idea that the Christian church, now this is a time for three minutes of a roll, the Christian church sits back while Christian women are bought, sold, raped, beheaded, stoned, hung. The Christian church, to a large degree, the majority of that which calls itself, they're not doing anything, anything at all, except they're, they're, I take that back, with the exception of intercessors. They don't care about anything because it's over there. 
but it's our children that are on the chopping block no uh, alliteration on that it's our wives I, I, you know the thing that I'm trying to get people to say is it's Bravo Sierra it's bovine uh, laundry that one you're probably going to have to think what I mean by that uh, the, idea, the idea is this okay this is a serious bunch of events happening and this cannot be handled with you know uh, uh, cowhide gloves and this isn't pretty it's going to get real um, dangerous. <laughs> Almost got me there, Doug. You know, with rhyming with pretty. The idea is people have got, he got it. People have got to understand. We're seeing it in other lands. Germany, you're talking about the home of BMW, Mercedes, Zeiss, I'm sorry, Zeiss Optics, Leica Optics, and some of the best machines ever built, some of the highest technology, and they've lost their country because they've been invaded, and now the German law Lawmakers want to tax the last that the German people have to feed the raping, pillaging horde. I don't know if you guys saw this, but they busted I a, uh, a busted a Syrian. Uh, they busted a Middle Easterner because he was performing a sexual act on a mannequin. Okay, you can go in the London Daily Mail and and see the story of where the lovely, peace-loving. Uh, invasionists, they're not immigrants, they're invasionists, or the army of the invasion, are saying your women are only there to be raped. You've got to understand that is a philosophy that allows men to rape their wives, to kill their wives, and to have sex with children, the child brides. It's sex ladies, 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 sell them into, into rape yep. houses, right. Yeah, and so, so can I say something? You know, I, I'm telling you this. I have said, Lord, if you want me to tone it down, then tone it down. But God, the gloves have to come off because I'm dealing right now. We're on the air, Doug, and people don't understand. I can read emails and still talk and you know be somewhat coherent. They they they're dealing with this as if it will never come to them. And what Ross Powell has just been telling you is that the Baltic Dry Index means there's nothing going to be on your shelves, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care if it's if it's whatever you think, it's not going to be there. So acquire it now. Because, look, we've talked, and, and, and I've pled, I've begged, and when I wept on the air, ah, look at him, he's just a crybaby. Uh, take that to Jeremiah. I'm no Jeremiah, but I'll tell you this. I've said, when the tears begin to flow, they won't stop. And as Randy Conway just said, and the rivers of blood, both mingling in the streets, will be a cool and bitter flood. You know, we see blood flowing. We see, and, and look, here's, here's what's amazing to me. Even the homosexuals aren't throwing up an outcry about gay people being thrown off buildings, for the record. That's horrific. It's disgusting. Look, here's the deal. We have embraced a culture of death. We worship death. It's in our movies. It's in our rock and roll. It's in the video games. You don't think video games aren't a culture of death? And yet, when Jesus comes and said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, you know what we say? Move over, Jesus. I'm too busy with my video game. Now, I mean no disrespect to the Son of God with that statement. But everything, and where's the, where's the Christian's outrage when uh, the head of a billion uh, 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 believing uh, members, billion whatever, Doug, you probably know, Catholic Church, basically says everybody goes to heaven. 
Yeah, Jesus said, no man comes unto the Father. Except, I mean, you see, here's what I'm saying, and then I'm going to turn it over, and maybe I better just turn it over. People don't get it. I'll give you a good example. People, uh, you know, a quote about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, okay? So, Sheila Zelensky writes the Green Gospel. If you don't understand that the pale horse, behold a pale horse, that, um, uh, uh, what was the name of the guy that wrote that book? I can't think of his name right now. Uh, the no pale problem. horse, yeah, uh, Cooper. The bottom line is, is that we're now seeing Agenda 21 unfolding in Oregon. We we saw it wanting to take hold Nevada. Here's the deal: there, it's not enough to get your stuff. They want the strife to take your life. Okay, I'm not trying to be Randy Conway. He is one of a kind. But when Sheila wrote the Green Gospel, you know, the New World Religion, she nailed it. Okay. And I'm going to read something because this, I can't say any better of this. There exists a group of clandestine self-proclaimed ruling oligarchs who are in fact soulless pagans, she was nice there, with, de with designs on reshaping the world into a state of complete global governance where everyone embraces the goddess Gaia as God. Christians are at war with this group and don't even know it. Their end game is to destroy constitutional liberties, the free market economy through deindustrialization, and ultimately population reduction. Even more frightening is their astonishing plan to reinstate a form of paganism dating back to Nimrod. These people want to control every aspect of your life and to exert dominance over every single daily activity. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's a mouthful, but and, and I'm just going to use the last minute before we turn it over and the, the boss can take questions. Doug, I have purposed in my heart, and Ross, if you haven't said this, I'm going to, any time I go and talk radio, I'm going to speak as if it's my last time to speak. The deal is, is that the pale horse of the apocalypse, I mean, it's like dancing green horses from hell, you know, running through the streets, galloping through the streets, and everybody goes, yeah, uh, my pastor's talking about uh, the, the, the uh, figurative or the symbolism of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I said, go and look at Agenda 21. Dave Hodges writes about it. Sheila nails it. And yet so many people will not identify. This is the fourth horse of the apocalypse, okay? And so, uh, uh, you know, somebody said, now chill. I hear you, now chill. I'd say you, pal, Sage Raider, you better warm up because, it, you, you know, you better grow up and warm up. The Please. idea is this, Doug. There is no passion in the church for righteousness. There is no passion in the name for Jesus. The radio wars, the uh, 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 whatever, all the wars going on in Christendom. I, I, I'm not kidding you. Watch who talks about Jesus versus quoting Scripture, and they don't even understand the spirit behind the living God. So the We're thing is, the other break, Steve. Uh, when we come back, we finish your thought on the other side, folks. You're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on this uh, Monday, March. March, January 18th, 2016, with Ross Powell, Survival 401k, and Steve Quill from stevequill.com. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Welcome.
back, ladies and gentlemen, to the third and final hour of the Hagman Hagman Report on this, the 18th day of January 2016. This is a special Monday edition. Our very special guest, Mr. Ross Powell, survival401k.com, and Mr. Steve Quayle, stevequayle.com. Before we get to our guests tonight, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we found a great website. It's called nuts.com. Even expert economist Ross Powell said, hey, I've tried that. That's good. Well, I'll tell you something. Our experience with nuts.com has been 100% pleasant. You know, um, yeah, look, it's the 18th day of January. Uh, how about your New Year's resolutions? Have you resolved to eat better? It, well, we can help you out. You know, it's we, we, nutritious, incredibly great-tasting snacks that are good for you that uh, don't put on the calories. Nuts.com is the place to go. That's nuts.com. Enter the in the microphone box. And this is important now. Okay, our super secret code, HH, nuts.com, microphone code HH. Folks, they've gotten, in our opinion, the best-tasting snacks, roasted peanuts, cashews, whatever, nuts on the planet. I love their pistachios oh, and man. their cashews. That's right. Just- Eat bags of those every day, and, and you know that we we do. We here at the Hagman Studios, we do, folks. Right now, new customers, listen up. If you've never ordered from nuts.com before, you're a new customer listening to this broadcast, do yourself a favor. I mean, take my word for it. Go to nuts.com, enter in the microphone box, HH, and that'll take you to our special part of the website there. And it'll say, hey, welcome, Hagman and Hagman listener. And and it'll take you through like three or four steps where you can get four, count them, four free samples. You can choose from over 50 options. It's a $15 value. When you go to nuts.com, click on the microphone box, enter code HH with your first order, okay? Okay, so, and folks, this, is, this company's been around since 1929. It's a family-owned business that they've prided themselves on delivering the best-tasting nuts, dried fruit you find anywhere. I was able to speak with a head nut. I mean, the the main guy, the owner of nuts.com. And, and you know what he was doing when I when I was when we talked? He was checking on quality control. I mean, what do you expect? Fantastic company. It's uh, they've got over. You can choose from over 3,000 healthy snacks, including dried fruits, sweet treats, sugar-free, um, gluten-free items, cooking and baking goods. I could go on and on, but I won't. Uh, folks, do yourselves a favor. Go to nuts.com, click uh, microphone code HH, and go shopping and get your four free samples for new customers right now. Go to nuts.com, enter our code HH for four free samples with your order. Also want to give a shout-out to American Survival Wholesale Dot com, AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. Yep. Check and see if their scratch and dented sale oh, is yeah. still ongoing. Uh, yeah. That's the scratch and dented sale. What you're going to do is just, if you see the page there on uh, the YouTube channel, you go up to the top of the uh, the page in the search box, just type in scratched, and you'll bring up the scratched and dented sale. Amen. And, and two, two more uh, companies that I'm very proud to be a part of, you know, if I were to buy, and I have recommended to my family members, extended family, and friends who are interested in precious metals, there's only one person I would buy precious metals from, and that is our guest tonight, Mr. Steve Quill, Renaissance, Renaissance Precious Metals. Now, you know something? You better have some trust. You better be able to trust the person you're buying from, especially in today's market. You better, you better be able to expect delivery. The only person I would trust with my business would be Steve Quayle at Renaissance Precious Metals. Folks, go, go to stevequayle.com, click on the link for Renaissance Precious Metals, and have at it, man. I'm telling you what, um, you can buy gold, silver, platinum, whatever, whatever your needs might be. And you know what a great fit this program is tonight? Well, you can do so by funneling that purchase through Ross Powell, through a, 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 a self-directed IRA, if, if that's what they call it. I'm, I'm 
sorry about that, but survival401k.com. You know, take control right now. Take control over your money, your future, whatever might be left of it. That survive, excuse me, for survival401k.com, survival401k.com. He sent a great picture of him and his wife, and his wife works in the office, and hey, any questions, they'll be glad to answer it, but survival401k.com. Mr. Powell, um, as, as Steve's on the line, but Mr. Powell, uh, we're going to throw some questions at you. Is that all right? Or did you, you know, you were, did you have anything uh, you wanted to say before we toss some questions your way? I just want to give a quick update. At the top of the show, I mentioned about the Chinese mentioning or actually releasing their GDP for the last quarter in the full year, and the numbers just broke during the break. So that's a bad pun, but the numbers just broke. So it's they came up at 6.8% in Q4 and 6.9% in the full year. You can believe it, whether you want to believe it or not. Those Asian markets are pretty much mixed. It's not a, Nothing's really going on. Our, the, the pre-market or the future, you know, the future market for the Dow is up 109, S&P is up 12, and the Nasdaq futures are up 19. So that says that we may get a bounce tomorrow. Uh, whether we can sustain it or not, I don't know. So those of you who have lost your your shorts over the last 12, 14, 15 days, you might get a little a little bounce. But I wouldn't hold my I wouldn't hold my cup thinking that that that's just going to overflow. So just wanted to give that quick update because I knew it was, I talked about it at the beginning of the show. And I think it's important to, to to see what happens tomorrow because it's going to set the tone for the rest of the week and probably the month. So uh, I just wanted to bring that in. So go ahead and shoot your questions to me. All right. You know, we're going to go with uh, – we've picked up a lot of new listeners over the last several months and weeks. Uh, let's, I'm, going to t- I'm going to toss a softball question to you, okay, and, and people might roll their eyes at this question. But in, in the landscape of banks, credit unions and such, are credit unions safer to put your money in than banks? Uh, for example, we'll, um, and this from Tom, uh, you know, are credit unions safer than banks, I guess, for your money? Well, well, I guess you have, I mean, it depends on the the management and the size of the credit union and what their history is. Now, everybody has to understand where the, how the money flows with, from within the, within the government, the Fed. The Fed controls the money. You think know, the Congress makes the spending, but the Fed is, which is a pseudo, uh, it's its own private organization. It's not a government entity. It's a private bank, uh, run by leaders of all the other major banks. So if you look at who the da- head of the Dallas Fed is or the New York Fed or, the Frisco Fed or the Chicago Fed or all these major cities, they're all inside the, the banking world and investment bankers. So they're all the, they're the who's who of the banking world. So the, the Fed has its own balance sheet in the trillions and trillions of dollars. It's, it's swollen to just an unbelievable number in the plus five trillion dollars or something like that. Now, they print the money. So, so they push the money, whether it's, they call it QE1, QE2, QE3, QE, it's all, Digitized money, they just push out to the banks. Money rolls from the Fed to the market makers, which are normally the big banks like Wells Fargo and J.P. Morgan Chase and Goldman Sachs, and all these guys are market makers. The money rolls to them, and then it rolls down to the regional banks and then to the smaller banks. And the credit unions are somewhere in the middle. So if the if the if the money collapses, now there's a couple of caveats here, and I'm going to talk to those in a minute. But if the money supply collapses or the Fed collapses or there's a, some, some major issue that the money is no longer is worthless, then it's going to run through the entire system. Nobody is safe. All bets are off. That's when we always talk about hard assets. How can you eat? How can you drink? How can you grow your own crops? How you can protect yourself, cover your head so you're not sleeping in your face in the mud to quote above on Forrest Gump. So you have to protect yourself. All the money starts in one place. There's a headwater. It's called the Fed. 
it all rolls downhill. So whether you're in Podunk, Idaho, or you're in the top of the pen, uh, top of the a penthouse in New York City, the money comes from the same source. How you derive it and how you get it is probably two different things. So can a credit union be more? It depends what they're investing, what they're investing, making their loans to. But that's gets me to what again. It's all what the bank loans their money to. If you're in a bank that's got a huge exposure to oil and, and the energy sector right now, your bank is hurt. I can guarantee whether they tell you or not, it is. Citibank Fed fudged on how big when they did their earnings discussion last week. They fed they fudged on their on the numbers how big their energy book is. I know for a fact Wells Fargo's is big. <clears throat> Chase is medium. Um, there's a lot of regional banks in South Texas and South Dakota, North Dakota that there's have huge exposures. So it all depends on what your bank is loaning to. Is depending how safe they are. Now, again, a cataclysmic or or uh, what are these pandemonium sets in? All bets are off for everybody. So that's where you you prepare for the worst and hope for the best. At that point, I hope all that right. helps solve your question. It, it does actually. It answers some concerns I had or some issues I had. Now, here's a question from one of probably a hundred thousand Karens in San Antonio, and this is kind of a time sensitive question. And before I ask this question, I'll just uh, bounce it to back to Karen, the person who's asking the question. Are you adopting? All right. Here's her question. Uh, how much can I withdraw before setting up a red flag? I just received a fairly small inheritance, and I don't know what to do with the check. I pick it up tomorrow. And again, Karen, if you're adopting, uh, you know, hey, I'm an orphan. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> Ross, uh, <laughs> you got got to keep your sense of humor, right? I guess i got to put that, put that question in perspective. She's received an inheritance, right? Is that what she said? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so inheritance, unless the check is... Part of an estate greater than I don't know three million dollars or something. Now, she has no wor- no worries on taxes. So, if she received a check probably from the trustee of the of the estate, then that money is non taxable. She can put it anywhere she wants. So, if it's a thousand dollars, it's ten thousand dollars, hundred thousand, five hundred thousand. It doesn't matter. If it's three million two, then she's got issues. She's going to pay tax. So, unless she can get with a, a, a an estate planner that can help her put the money in places that which is beyond my scope, but I can turn around to some people that can. Now, if she's talking about withdrawing the money in cash, then that's a whole other discussion, and if, I would tell her to take all the money at once that she wants. And if she is adopting somebody, it's not a child that she needs the cash, then take the money out at once. Don't ever go and take a thousand here and five thousand there and five, so because you need ten, you take twenty-five, twenty-five. That's structuring, and Denny Hazard got busted for that, and anybody can get busted for that because it's just Everybody knows it's your money, but it's part of the, the anti-money laundering schematic now that, that if you start to structure, you're going to get in trouble. So if you want $10,000 in cash, you need to go to call your bank up in advance and say, I need $10,000 in cash. You can choose to tell them what it's for or you can choose not to. I, I'm not going to advise anybody to lie what they're doing. You just you just tell them what you need it for. They'll, they'll, they'll organize it. They'll get it sent to the bank. I mean, I have a customer that took 50000 out and is storing it away in a safe. So and he told him what he wanted it for, and he's sticking in there. Whether he still has it or not, I don't know. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, don't ever and, and ever, and I'm not talking as a banker or as a government official, I'm just telling you to protect yourself. Never try to structure your deals to take money out less out of your – if you have a big number in mind, take it all at once. Don't try to uh, to uh, to just piecemeal it because it's only going to get you in trouble. Yeah, can't hope they, when they comes to mind. They see and know everything. 
I'm sorry? Uh, right. No, uh, Kent Hovind comes to mind, and, and others. Dennis Hastert comes to mind. You know, uh, Kent Hovind, of course, is different. Uh, structuring was not his intent, uh, ostensibly, but uh, anyway. Yeah, same difference. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't think Hastert's was either. I think he was just trying to keep it on the DL to pay off whatever sorted issue that he had in the past. Mm-hmm. But whether it was intentional structuring, it, it doesn't. your intent doesn't matter. The fact is that you did it. You're still busted. You're still you're still in trouble. So <laughs> please don't do it. Uh, wow. All right, Mr. Powell, we got a, a question here from a Myrna, a C out of Yuma, Arizona. What will happen to all life insurance policies? Will they collapse and be worthless? I have not heard anyone address this. Therefore, I would greatly appreciate it if you could. God bless. Great work and great information. Well, it, it all depends on your. Now, life insurance, you have two types of life insurance. You have you have term life insurance, which is for a period of time, whether it's five, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and you pay different premiums for that, and based on your age and all of that. I used to work in the insurance business, but I wasn't a life guy, but I, I, understood, I had to take enough tests to understand it. So you have your term insurance, which you're, you're betting that you are going to die. Okay, so you're, you're betting against yourself. Sort of you're shorting your life, put it that way. So... It's a it's a very cheap way to do it. If you think you look at your family and everybody kicks the bucket by seventy and you're fifty five, then I wouldn't go beyond fifteen year term or maybe twenty. But right. if you think if you have longevity in your family, your your grandmother, your grandfather, and everybody in your family lives to a hundred, then term insurance is probably not good for you because once you get past a certain threshold of of sixty five or so, it's going to be so expensive to get that insurance, it's going to be unaffordable. Now the other side of it is what's <clears throat> Some people use the old term of whole life or universal life. There's these things that a portion of your premium goes towards the insurance, sort of on a term basis, and a portion goes where they invest and you build up a cash value. So if she's talking about term insurance, if you're still alive and the insurance companies go belly up, it doesn't matter because you, you're still alive. Now, if you have on the whole side where you have a whole bunch of money that's, you have a cash value of let's say $500,000 and the insurance company is sitting there, I would be a little bit worried. And I do have customers that are pulling money out from their annuities and their life insurance or other life insurance products and rolling it over into one of our products and then using that to put it in tangible assets. They have surrender charges, which can be sizable, some as low as a couple thousand, maybe 500, others to the tune of 10,000. It all depends on how much they have and, and when they put it in there. So if you're at the, if you're at the ninth year of a 10-year uh, annuity or something like that, then you're probably going to have a low surrender charge, but if you're at year two, on a 10-year, you're going to get you're going to pay a stiff penalty. So to answer a question, it, it it depends. It depends on your insurance. And so it, but if if it's a complete collapse, and that insurance company can't pay because all of their assets have gone the way of the dodo, then you can't get blood out of a turnip. So just live, just keep that in mind. I mean, I'm many of these companies have been around for two and three hundred years. I mean, literally from Europe and things like that. That they've survived pretty much everything if you're with them i would be pretty i would feel pretty safe if you're one of the more newer companies uh then i would be a little bit more a little bit more concerned but again if you're a term i wouldn't worry about it if you're in whole life or universal life and you have a big cash value on your policy then i would consider thinking about moving some of it out and moving it into hard assets if you can i wonder if you've got a piece of the rock aren't you all right right thank you here's a question and it's more of a a question about a situation. Uh, the bank has foreclosed on your house. Your bank account of a thousand dollars has been confiscated. Credit cards don't work. You have to be out of the, 
of your house in one day. Your wife has the flu. Your kids are too young to walk. It's too cold. All the food you stockpiled in the basement is too much to carry because they have confiscated your car. You have no friends, and it's 30 below. What now? That's from David, and he says, Blessings on your show tonight. Um, okay. Uh, could the situation be any worse? I mean, I first called my pastor and a counselor to talk me out of the tree. Uh, yeah. And remove all sharp objects and any firearms in my area. Uh, but uh, if they didn't confiscate your wheelbarrow, you can hump that stuff down the street that way, cover it with a blanket. Uh, you'd be have bicycles, things like that. I mean, that's that's just a ridiculous question. No offense to whoever wrote it. I'm just saying that situation is... Uh, if it's his, I'll pray for him. What was his name? Um, there is no name left. Yeah, okay, all right. right. Well, we'll pray for whoever wrote well, it. I, I, I suspect that's a, I suspect that's a uh, hypothetical question. I'm sorry, David is that actual right. person. Well, right, man, I, I, to David, I don't. If you're listening, I, you can call me, and I, we can talk through some other ideas. I don't know what to do without hearing all the facts. I mean, I, I would hope that you would have an attorney to stop some of that. They can't put you, make you homeless necessarily. Uh, you have to have some ways of even eating, and your homestead has a certain rights, and you have ability just to not to make you homeless with no car, no credit, no nothing. They can't do that. So right. I would re- reach out to, if you can't afford an attorney, get your find somebody that would do it pro bono for your case. There's all kinds of public defenders that may take your case. You may do some side work. So I would, I would definitely reach out, number one, reach out to an attorney. Number two, reach out if you have a faith, a faith organization, reach out to them. Check into some some local homeless shelters for families. There's plenty of those these days. All those things will let you catch your breath and get back on your feet so that you're not living on the street and, number one, getting sick or or, or victimized by people on the street because that happens a lot these days. So I would, right. th- the short answer is get a lawyer and go to a shelter and regroup. And, and get some friends and pray. And, uh, yeah, right, indeed. exactly. All right. Uh, this comes from a listener who uh, it appears that uh, may have talked to you in the past, but uh, when, when you take, for example, uh, when you, if, I'll just, because this person, uh, asked for anonymity, if I would come to you, Ross, and say, look, I'd like to buy, or I'd like to funnel, or have, take possession of precious metals, I don't know, let's say I've got a hundred grand, in, you know, that I want to invest in, or fifty, or whatever it might be. Right. Whatever, you know, whatever money, it doesn't matter. But I want to, uh, uh, let's see here, I'm trying to figure out how to, Okay, I let's see. Okay, I'm going to purchase and maintain physical possession of precious metals. We know that's legal, but will this move be on the record for the government to know that you've got precious metals in your physical possession? I'm not exactly. Do you share records with the government? I guess is what they're what he's asking, or is Do, the government know about a, this? That's more of a question for Steve because I, I don't actually sell the metals. That I would send them to Steve or, or a litany of other metals dealers, maybe locally. But there's well, sure, here, here, yeah, I can answer, answer that, that. Obviously, yeah. I deal with that every day. Thank you, Ross. The deal is, is that the transaction, all transactions are accounted for, and I tell people if that is a concern, then ship it to the post office box. Get a post office box, and you know the point is, is that there's no way to cover it up because in order to ship precious metals. The precious metal dealer, in this case me, I have to have cleared funds, a check or a bank wire, and once those funds, we ship them. The safest way is to avoid shipping them to your home, shipping into a P.O. box, and then uh, all metals are shipped either registered mail, 
FedEx overnight on gold, this is how my company does it, and three-day on silver upon cleared funds. Cleared funds means not when it clears your bank, but when the receiving bank clears it. So the only way to answer that question is you either pick it up, you know, uh, you wire ahead of time and come, and some people do this, they prefer to just come to Montana, I'm not saying that's the best way, or they just get a P.O. box at the post office or even one of those, you know, whatever they call postal box yes, rental places. places. That is the safest way. It does two things. Number one, I'll tell you this, most people don't get it, but the postal uh, situation, we were told this by a postal inspector, on the West Coast and in Chicago and some of the other major cities has become very difficult. The U.S. Post Office does a great job in monitoring registered mail. Registered means obviously it's checked in. If it goes from me, let's say to Ross Powell in Texas, it'll go from me to Denver, from Denver to uh, Dallas, from Dallas to Austin. Every point it goes is checked in. So the best way is basically have it shipped to a P.O. box. That way you have nobody who's an agent delivering it. Nobody knows. And obviously, uh, you know, what some people do, and this is all perfectly legal, they get a P.O. box in another town have it delivered. The post office has to hold it because it's registered. You have to sign for precious metals. Now, one of my clients, FedEx, got in a lot of trouble because some, uh, you know, uh, dumb driver left a rather sizable amount of metals on his uh, front porch, and you can't do that. So, by the grace of God, he's a believer and nothing was stolen. So, it's becoming problematic, Doug. It's becoming problematic. Once you have an event that Ross is talking about, cyber attack, once you have anything that shuts down commerce, you will not be able to get delivery of any metals. That's it in a nutshell. Or even if you have them sitting in a repository or depository, you can't get them. Now, the other exactly. thing, Steve, it is some types of metals and the size of the purchases are reportable, like uh, silver bars over 100 ounces or 1,000 ounces have to be reported separately. And, and But American Eagles, Canadian Maple Leaves, uh, different coinages don't have to be reported because it's they don't have to. But I can tell you from a banking perspective, if you push out wires of $10,000 or greater, any type of transaction over $10,000 is going to get put into the database. So that doesn't well, mean you it, it has to, Ross. Yeah. It, right. it has to because the deal is, look, it's not the amount. It's the fact that it's traceable. People say, should I go withdraw you know, X number of dollars and pay for it in cash. No, it's not, because that that puts an extra step in there that puts them at risk. The idea, listen, there's still some semblance of free trade, okay? Free trade, I'll define that, is still being able to send a check or send a wire. It, what they're looking for is structuring, which you explained very well, and they're looking for people that pay cash, okay? And I got to tell you, very few people outside of buying a couple hundred bucks pay cash for metals anymore because it's easier just to send a check or a wire. Now, will they change that? Yes. And it, at some day, it's going to be trackable. Silver eagles, Canadian maple silver, uh, gold uh, coins, whether they're U.S. gold eagles or Canadian maple leaves, there's no issues with those, okay? And there's no issues whatsoever. It's when people hear that if it's over 10000 I think that's what you're saying, every bank has an internal reporting thing, and it's internal. The only time something goes external is on a suspicious uh, activity transaction report and or a, right. Yep. 
Yeah, uh, sorry. So, so the point is, is that it's still possible to buy it. But here's the point: the Chinese and the Russians and everybody's buying a lot of gold. There's still coins at stores like mine. There are a bunch of stores like mine. But the point is, delivers everything. And when the delivery is slowed, the availability of of, of products. So I said, well, I can walk down to my uh, uh, store and buy twenty ounces of silver. What do you mean there's no silver? I'm not being a smart aleck. I get this. I say, try and go down to that same store and buy a thousand ounces of silver. Well, the guy only stocks twenty to four four hundred, you know, ounces. So, so it becomes problematic. Okay, so there's no problem taking it, getting it, writing a check, writing a wire. The time will come as stress becomes more and more increasing that the fuel prices will rise. Because look, even if gas goes down, the FedEx, UPS, everybody's got to raise their prices. So the thing is, is that how, whatever they call it, a, uh, a transaction tax, a delivery tax, whatever, that's how they're going to stay in business. So I encourage people to move while they can, because that's not a scare tactic. It's not a, oh, I'm selling fear to sell silver and gold. I got news for you. Tell that to the Russians and Chinese. They'll just shake their head and basically in their own language say, stupid American. That's the you, only you know, people that talk well, like that. Steve, let me ask you. I just want to slip in a real quick question, and then I'm going to back out here. Steve, is is gold or silver either one? Is it becoming uh, harder to get, uh, whether it be silver, gold eagles, or generic? Well, yeah, uh, because if you look at uh, uh, Steve, uh, you know Rocco that we had on your show, Doug, he posts the amount of gold and silver coins being sold by the mint. And there are more being sold in one week than an entire month, and there are no 2016 silver eagles yet. But, see, this is what people don't understand. The availability of the blanks that they stamp either a Canadian maple leaf image on or a U.S. silver eagle image on, obviously the sizes are different, but they get blanks, and they put them in their presses, and voila, you've either got a Canadian maple leaf or a U.S. silver eagle. It's getting tougher to get the raw material, because as the uh, Manipulators have driven down the price of gold and silver. Mines are closing, and the availability of a raw product to get refined is becoming more difficult. And at some point, you know, you can't have something that's a thousand times oversold, meaning there's a thousand more claims against an ounce than there are ounces to fulfill the order. That has to kick in sometimes. So what the power brokers are doing is they're trying to take all hope away from the American people to have something for retirement, something that they can rely on. And so that's why the mainstream press badmouths gold, badmouths the precious metals, and they're doing everything they can to keep people in the system because Ross just told you they can take your money if they have any type of uh, uh, event that turns against their earnings and their profitability and their reserve requirements. I can tell you for a fact if J.P. Morgan Chase or any of the major banks or even any of the major banks tell you that don't buy gold or silver, I can tell you that they're doing it themselves. There has been numerous cases where they they told their customers don't buy it; it's a bad it's a bad move, and then in the back end they're buying millions of ounces of themselves. So, just whenever you hear advice from some you know their market makers, I probably do the opposite thing. Now I want to get I just want to answer the, the second part of her question. Don't worry about the ten thousand threshold, or and and, and and worry about the availability. If you're an honest person, and you're not laundering money, you're not running guns, you're not selling bomb parts to terrorists, you're not yelling Allah Akbar in Walmart. Then you have nothing to worry about. If they come and check you, it's a simple 
questionnaire. They ask what you're doing with it. Can you see it? Boom, there it is. It, you, it's over and done. If you're worried about confiscation, I can tell you right now, it would take two Marine Divisions, maybe, maybe one Marine Division or Expedition Division, to back up deuce and a half to every depository in the country, offload all the gold, and take it into Fort Knox, where there's probably plenty of space. So they're not going to have the manpower nor the will to come kicking in your door to find your 20 ounces of gold that's already in the wind. So I wouldn't worry about, people ask me that question, all the would be worried about getting confiscated. No. I would be worried about your neighbor taking it from you. I'd worry about your, uh, some roving band of weirdos taking it from you. But from the government going and kicking your door, taking it, I'm not worried about that. So I would, I wouldn't lose any sleep over any transactions being traced. Unless you're doing something nefarious and something that's tre- treasonous, I wouldn't worry about it. All right, next up we've got kind of a, I don't know if this is more of a statement from Bill. He says, the Lord is allowing our greed and bitterly bad behavior, uh, abortion as, a, as an example, take us to our reward. Starting with a mighty fall from grace in the economic affairs, we will soon be following Canada and their dollars fall from grace with all the trimmings, derivative meltdowns, bank failures, and of course the entire credit market sees up to dwarf the 2008 fiasco. Hunger and death stalked the nation. That from Bill. Yeah, that's a statement. Well, uh, that's more of a statement, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right. Uh, uh, this is I don't disagree me. with the statement, but go ahead. <laughs> this is a question for me, and uh, I've seen economists uh, in the mainstream go both sides on this. That the they will see all time high in the all time highs in the Dow in 2016, and versus all time lows. Uh, what's your opinion on that, Ross? Oh, I think we're going to see probably a 20 to 30 percent uh, correction. Or you want to call it a correction? I think we're heading into a bear market big time. I mean, we'll see. I mean, again, recognize that the whole thing is manipulated and it's used used by the government to build perception, as we talked about earlier in the show, perception and expectations, just like the Chinese are doing and the Russians doing. All these different governments inject large sums of cash through their market makers. And so you may see it go down, but when you start seeing on CNBC, uh, Yahoo Finance, uh, Fox News, NBC News, they're all talking either recession or they're talking about a market correction of 20 to 30 percent. I would, I would probably stand to start listening to those voices because we've been talking about that for over six to nine months, I think, Doug, on shows all the way back to May. I think we talked about oh, yeah. getting ready for a really terrible 2016. And, and so if the mainstream media is talking to whose talking points are, are pretty much laid out for them and some independent uh, writers that, that show up on some of these blogs of these of these mainstream stations or, or websites are saying all these things, then I would suggest that you believe them. So uh, I may be wrong. I mean, if I knew the stock market it could predict it every day, I would be in a different business altogether. But I would, I would say from my, all my research... And back into the belt to dry index, all of the things that are going on in the world, again, this tapestry we talked about from the beginning of the show, I would say 20 to, the ter- 20 to 30% down year. Uh, you may go down 20% and back up a couple, back down again. So it's almost like a stair step downward. I think you'll see by the end of the year you'll be in the, I don't know, the 12, the 13, 14 range probably, I'm guessing, because we're, we're in the mid, we're in the high 15s today. You may bump up over 16 tomorrow, but I bet you will be, by the end of next year, we'll probably be closer to 13 or 12. I would. I don't think it's going to be as bad as 2000. I mean, I think the whole economic situation is going to be worse. I know the stock market is going to tank as bad as it did in 2008. But, again, I don't have a crystal ball on that. So. All right. 
All right, and if I can ask this to Steve, just to clarify, you know, Steve, you and I spoke about this, and a couple of emailers have asked this question just for clarification. Uh, Steve, I remember, I think it was the, over the weekend or perhaps even this morning, I'm not even sure, but we took, or last week, I don't know. You and I spoke about the um, the oil or, you know, the oil prices, and this really is a proxy war, proxy economic war between the, the West and Russia, isn't it? Um, can you expand on that, Steve, just a tad, just a clarification? Well, sure. I mean, obviously, the Russian ruble has fallen to its lowest level in years, and Vladimir Putin understands the way that the United States always got cooperation was pretty much to keep the price of oil, you know, obviously in collusion with the Saudis or Venezuela or Nigeria or wherever there was oil in the world, you know, quite candidly, outside of what Russia and China controlled, we controlled, okay? Or we gave those countries uh, protection and, and put in puppet dictators or whatever. But right now, I mean, it costs money to run countries. So uh, President Putin, I, I believe, is going to be proven to be incredibly brilliant, because I think he is that anyway. But when it comes to finances, he is on record as saying the West is trying to starve Russia out, and he won't put up with it. And he said, basically, he intimated that uh, Russia is ready to go to war at a certain point over that. Well, when we continue to, you know, do everything we can to provoke war, I I want everybody to understand, you want to do a basic study in Russian war policy, they believe in first strike. And we've already seen, uh, you know, what a real leader is in President Putin versus what a non-leader is in what we got. So the idea is is that, I'll, I'll share this with everybody, when they start ratcheting up, they're not going to put up with it because to them, it's a matter, it's a strategic attack economically. And quite candidly, economic attacks can be as devastating as, uh, and more devastating than bombs, bullets, rockets, etc. The only thing that changes the equation are nukes. So that's, Doug, what's going on. It is a design of the power brokers to try and control Russia and bring Russia to its knees. People don't get it. Well, and, and on the other side of that is that the Russians and the Chinese working to destroy the petrodollar and the homogeny of the American way of life and the American petrodollar and the American uh, ruling with the, with the strong the strength of the dollar. So they're trying to avoid the dollar, telling them not to use dollars anymore. China's getting using the yuan and the ruble, and they're trading back and forth. And their spheres of influence, the dollar is not being used any longer. So they're fighting back through their own war of attrition through us. To, and, and so it's a it's a constant duel. Some days we win, some days they win. So it's uh, you're right, you're dead on. It's it's just not a shooting war yet. But I would okay. I would hold on to my head that it might be. But sorry about that, Doug. I didn't mean to break in. No, no, th- th- that's great. Now, now, Ross, I'm going to direct this question to you because this to me is the epitome of someone with blinders. Okay, and and th- this is a, a six part question. I'm just going to boil it down into really a couple of uh, wow. a couple of yeah. Uh, this from a listener who has a mental disconnect. He lives in Santa Clarita, California. All right, and, and this to me is the epitome of the population. I mean, this this is reflects the majority of the uninformed population or the, the people who are have bought into the lie. And, and if that hurts the emailer, well, so be it. He, 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 he writes this. Um, please tell me where the disconnect is in Santa Clarita, California, where I reside. Hey, you know what? 
everything is rosy. Now I'm paraphrasing, of course. This city has over a dozen car dealerships, exclusive Mercedes, BMW. Every day of the week, I see trucks of new cars being delivered to these dealers, which means that they are selling cars like crazy. California issues license plate numerical sequence, so you can tell the newness of the car by its license plate number. I'd estimate that at least 80% of all the cars on the road here are new with within three years or older, younger. New housing construction going up all over the place. There are at least six new tracks going up, and you know what? They got a new mall right there. And, you know, every time I drive by, no shortage of cars in the parking lot. It indicates people are they are buying stuff. And, and you know what? I look around. I don't have to step over homeless people because I don't see any. People aren't holding back money. They're, you know, by not eating out, they're eating out. They're eating places that are, they're eating places that are generally doing well. Pizza delivery cars, they're zipping around left and right, man. You know, and that's expensive food. I just don't see. And, and here's the kicker. I just don't see with my own little eyes. I can't spy with my little eyes that the economy, the economy is just as bad as your, as your lurking, Ross. And Steve, shame on you. So, Ross, what do you say to that? Sure. Okay. I'd like that gentleman to take his Mercedes into Detroit, Cleveland, uh, parts of Pennsylvania, parts of Texas, parts of Arizona, etc. So he's living in a bubble. I hate to tell him he's living in the OC, and he is deluded himself because if he got out of his bubble and drove around a little bit, he would be dead. He would have a completely different, a different view of it. So I don't. I would, I'd love to, for the gentleman to take a ride around the country and, and talk to folks who are out of work, get out of the, uh, get out of, of his bubble. And, and I'm great that he's living the life. Uh, more power to you. I, I just think that that's, uh, that's a one in, in a one in a million chance that that's, that's not here. I mean, in San Antonio, we're growing as well. So, but there's a lot of parts of the country that are not. And just because right. you're growing today, just because there's lots of cars in the, in the mall, and just because you're selling cars, doesn't mean that that's prudent to do or that it's going to continue. So you can see with your own eyes, but if you, you can be as uh, wide open eyes, but if you're not listening, if you're not listening to all of the what's going on in the world, then you're, you're, you might as well just be blind because you can see whatever you want to see. I could probably go into that same city and show him where, he's, where the homeless people are if he looked. So you may want to go look at it. There are shelters there. There's probably food banks there. Step out. I mean, I'm not sure what this part of California it is, but I'm sure there's plenty of people that are working that are not driving Mercedes. Ask all the people inside the stores whose hours were cut during the holidays in the mall. Ask them who, what their lifestyle is like. So, I mean, I find it personally offensive. His, his comments were offensive to me, and he can call me, and we can talk about it. But I, I, that, it was, I found it to be extremely arrogant and, and disappointing. Uh, so I don't know what else to say to that. But I, he needs to look outside of his bubble. That's all i got to say. Steve, yeah, with the 269 Walmart closings and um, you know the other announcements of, of different chains closings and shutting down, and I mean, the writing's on the wall. We can see that things are not all well and, and good in the world of economics, and now we're so interconnected globally that when we see the Asian markets take a, take a dive, it affects the U.S. markets and vice versa. Yeah. And um, it, and the trends are are if we follow the trends, they are looking bad. So. Um, I mean, I never. You know, I would say, hey, Doug, 
Josh, let me let me interject this. Number one, he doesn't know how many of those cars are financed. Number two, he doesn't know how many of the mortgages are in default. California, in parts of it, is the shiny veneer, okay? It's like Las Vegas at night with all the neon, and in this case, the Mercedes, the BMWs, whatever, you know? Uh, but when the veneer is stripped off, I think this is what you're saying too, Ross, it's just an illusion. Now, also, the attitude sucks, okay? Oh, this will probably really set somebody off. Uh, Stephen, in fairness, in fairness, I might have, I might have thrown in some two there, okay? I might have. Okay, but, the but here's the deal. This is the deal with Christians. I've got mine. Uh, I'm okay. ISIS isn't in my backyard yet. Uh, I'm sorry, you know. I'm sorry that these people are dying, but the Bible says they're going to be martyrs. I said, well, you better pray that you stand in the place where these people are calling on Jesus before their heads are cut off, that you have the same faith as them. I find it. Can I say something? Ross, you nailed it, brother. You nailed it. I encounter that all the time. Do you really think someone with a couple hundred million cares about the people that are in the homeless uh, shelters? Do you really think the people who have megachurches care? Now, I understand there's some token, you know, uh, stuff, but here's the deal. You know, uh, people are going to say, didn't we feed the hungry? Didn't we do this? She's going to say, hey, depart from me. I never knew you. And see, that's why, that, look at the war in the church, and this is the war that's in the church is also, uh, I would say, carried out in the natural, what things look like. I'll tell you what, remember this, the devil is a master of illusion, and my guess is the majority of those fancy cars are all financed. My guess is I used to uh, spend a lot of time in California, and a friend of mine, Alan, he drove limousines, and he said, Steve, he said, these guys will take $100 bills and put them over a wad of $1 bills and try and be flashy. And he said, but you know what? At the end of the night, they can't even pay their limousine bill. So, And I'm talking places like up in, you know, uh, the, 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 the higher dollar areas. I'm not talking about, you know, dumpy areas in L.A. or anything. I'm talking about high dollar places. So things are not as they seem. And I would and I would encourage the gentleman that wrote that to go and uh, buy a little less of a car and go volunteer somewhere and, and help people out with that extra money. Go help a family meet the mortgage and maybe fix the person that had the other statement where he his house is being foreclosed on. He they'd seized his thousand dollars. Go help that brother if you're a Christian. Go help that brother. Reach out to some others and not worry about what you have. Worry about what you can give to somebody else. Uh, that's all I got. Ross, you just made a, a great point and. Uh, too often people are too busy looking at what their neighbor has compared to what they don't when they should be looking at what their neighbor has to make sure that they have enough and if people right. were to cut back on the on the lux the luxury items you know um do you really need a a, a mercedes suv you know when you can go buy a ford suv that does the same thing basically for you know thirty thousand dollars less and use that money to feed other people uh, people don't want to take those personal sacrifices, and until they do, we're going to continue to see ourselves implode the way we are imploding. Well, let me give you a statistic. I read it over the, on Sunday in preparation for this show. In 2010, it took 388 billionaires to equal all of the value, all the money owned of, of the other 3.5 billion people in the world. 388 people had as much money as 3.5 billion. You know what it is this year? 62 people have more money or equal money to three and a half billion people in the world. Now, 
if you think that's okay, more power to you. You can talk to God about all that. But personally, I think that's wrong. So, you know, my wife and I were talking about it, but it's the way we want to be here. What we're doing is help people take control of their money, set themselves free, get out of the, get out of this trap, and and do the right thing. So, anyways, what, any other questions, Steve? Before I, I mean, sorry, Doug. Before I get angry. <laughs> no, Welcome no, to was, my world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and again, uh, you know, to, to the last email, I, I, I threw some attitude in there. Uh, but, but you know, yeah, you're exactly right. And it, it, we are living in a time, and Steve, you said it right on the money. You know, I got mine too bad for you. And it's that attitude. And Ross, you, you said it too. It's that attitude. You know, we need to we need to get our hands dirty out there. We need to help others. And even if you even if you don't believe in prepping, or if you don't believe in uh, whatever, if you if you think you're going to be out of here for the bad times, then, then for, for crying out loud, help others that you think are going to be left behind. I mean, that's the Christian thing to do, isn't it? You know. So, bottom line. Um, yeah, I mean, so uh, we got about uh, ten minutes left of the show. You guys, go ahead and. Uh, uh, submit your final statements. Ross, go ahead and tell people how to contact you. Sure, sure. You could reach us through survival401k.com. There's there's some buttons you can push to contact us, contact us button, and there's a get started button. So you can reach us there. That'll send an email so somebody will reach you within 24 hours. You can call our number at 844-650-5733. That'll ring us. And I told this on other shows and people have, have, have felt it. You call, you will, you will talk to me. I promise you will talk to me at least once, if not twice. Uh, sometime, I'll point, I'll turn you over to some others to help you with your paperwork. But you will always talk to me first, at least once. So I promise you that, and I have never failed on that. So there are plenty of customers that will attest to that. So please call us before it's too late. I mean, I, I'm not trying to, I'm not going to sell, put a big sell on it. If you don't believe it's in the wind, you don't believe what we're talking about, then don't call it. I want to try to convince you. If you think, if you feel it in your spirit and it's on our website, you can feel it in your spirit. Your friends feel it too. Then give us a call. We'll talk to you about it. We'll t- hear your situation. We'll hear your story. And if, if you if you think what we have will fit for you, then we'll we'll proceed. If we don't think it's a good fit for you, then we'll tell you. I'll try to send you somebody who might be able to fit for you, uh, or you may just be out of luck. So if you just give us a call, we'll talk to you about your situation, and we'll glad to steer you in the right direction. And, and I'm going to just say, you know what, Ross? I've heard from a lot of well, from people. When I say a lot, I mean relative to uh, to they, they love your service and they're astounded, they're amazed at what you can do for them, folks. Ross Powell, Survival four hundred one k dot com, Survival four hundred one k dot com. You can regain control of your finances, and in this time, you need to do that. Steve, my brother, drive it home. Well, I think it's it's a time for seeking the Lord while He may be found. I think that given the uh, my micro outburst, the amount of denial and the amount of uh, trying to kill the messengers, listen, the day will come when there won't be any more messengers on, on talk radio because we know what is the future for talk radio. My goal is get people out of harm's way. Ross's goal is get people out of harm's way and be able to uh, uh, maintain uh, that which they've acquired in life. Because, see, here's the deal. It's amazing. They take your 
money. They take your life. All money, basically, is a measure of someone's skill. Uh, if you inherit it, your grandfather, your parents, somebody had to earn that money. The work ethic of the great generation is gone. And, uh, you know, I want to share something neat. Romy, um, my friend Romy uh, Zaret, her dad is 91. He's a World War II vet, a B-17 pilot. Do you know that France just spent a lot of time and effort to run him down to give him the Legion of Honor medal? God bless you, Romy. I was so thrilled that, you know, uh, one of the things we don't appreciate, we don't appreciate the price these people have made that, that with their lives. And when she said to her dad, she said, Dad, you're a hero of mine. He said, he said, honey, I'm paraphrasing this, the heroes didn't come back. The idea that a nation would find one man, by the way, there aren't that many living B-17 pilots, you know, and so I just want to take the time to honor her dad, because this man is amazing, and I called her, and I said, Romy, you tell your dad, I really, really, really thank him, and Al said, said ask me, he wants to go for a helicopter ride, so the point is, is that, uh, you know, uh, when you've got men that are humble, but that paid the price, 91 years old, and a nation seeks you out to give you the medal of that's the equivalent of our Congressional Medal of Honor. The thing is, I think that deserves to be said, so I just want to honor that man, and I thank God, because people don't understand how much intercession that she puts into this show, Doug. She covers you, she covers me, and, and what, it's different than praying. When an intercessor is called by God, I want to put this into perspective, they literally cover your life with theirs. They're taking the arrows, they're taking the bullets. They're taking Satan's full frontal attack and covering with their life. She's the only intercessor I ever knew that had a spray plane fly over her at just a bit, of, a little bit above treetop level on the highway when she was coming to Whitestone. She's the only woman I know as an intercessor who had the boys in the helicopter flying over filming her at, you know, above treetop level. I think she was out there shaking her fist at them. The point is, is that this is the kind, and, and, I, and I say this, this is the kind of attitude we need. It's the same thing. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a war going on for your finances. There is a war going on for your soul. You've got to take this stuff seriously. And for the attitude that Ross so rightly gave the best answer for, someone else's arrogance will not deliver you. Go to my dreams and visions. I just posted Randy Conway's poem, and I want you to pray over that. I want you to read it, and I want you to think it. Husbands, any man that doesn't provide for his family is worse than an infidel. Any man that says, I'm going to just burn up my inheritance and my kids can just fend for themselves. I know people like that. And I said, you know, that's a selfish thing. Now, there are trust babies in Montana. Trust babies, somebody has just been left, you know, literally gazillions of dollars, and all they do is get high, get stoned, and go skiing. I know some of them. There are obviously trust babies that don't do that. But remember this. Everything we have enjoyed about freedom, everything we have enjoyed about the blessing of living in this country, all those blessings are vanishing before your eyes. And just because you're eating filet mignon, there are people eating out of uh, garbage cans. Just because you're sleeping, and I'm sleeping, in a very nice bed, there are people that have no place to lay their head. And by the way, I'm not a do-gooder, uh, 
you know, goody two shoes. I step up to the pump. I have a family that sponsors this show, and they don't want me to tell who their names are, and rightly so. But these guys have given, you know, literally mid six figures away in truckloads of food to send to the food banks on the West Coast. That's, Doug, the kind of people we got listening. I got news for you. Uh, at this point in my life, I'm 65. The only thing that counts is doing everything I can do to help whoever I can help. I know I can't help everybody, and I'm talking about prayer, teaching them and stuff. Now, there are people that absolutely are what are called perma-jerks, okay? They're like a weed. No matter what show I'm on, they always, uh, you know, grow up. But it's not the perma-weeds, it's the wheat that I'm concerned with. There will be a harvest, ladies and gentlemen, and with what measure you sow, that's what you'll reap. Doug, you have sown so graciously to so many people. Unfortunately, some of them have used uh, your platform against you. But by the grace of God, I'm so excited to see, and I believe there is a transformation taking place. And ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you, I have known Ross Powell. He can get you out of financial harm's way. Go to survival. 401k.com. My website is stevecoil.com. If you want me to call you, uh, if you want me to uh, talk to you, just send me an email, steve777 at stevecoil.com. Put in the metals. I'm going to tell everybody this. If you want to buy $1,000 or less of metals, don't. Buy food. Buy food. Buy food. That'll take the critics out. The point is, is that food is going to be the most uh, cost-prohibitive uh, you know, staple to get. It's going to be impossible to get. So, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, my prayers for you, except those of you who have chosen hell as your mouthpiece, is that God will protect you, that God will keep you hidden, that God will grant you dreams and visions in the night, seal your instruction, and that every single person who loves Jesus that has listened to this show all these years will be hidden away in the secret place of the Most High God. I don't have time to fight with this guy, that guy, any other guy, and I don't have time to enter into someone else's fight when I didn't create the mess and uh, you know I'm sorry but we must be about our father's business if we're about God's business where's the time to be so involved in other people's business God bless everybody Doug bless you thank you Ross it's a delight Joe blessings thank you sir thank you Doug thank you Joe appreciate the time to be on the show you guys take care God bless you Ross absolutely can't wait till next time yeah You've done great. God bless, buddy. Folks, that was Ross Powell of Survival 401k and Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com. They were on for all three hours. If you joined us late, you can catch the video archive on YouTube or go to hagmanandhagman.com. Click on the SoundCloud link. You can check out the iTunes archive as well. Or the YouTube. Yeah, you said that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of ways to to listen. No, we just want to say thank you, everyone. Thank you for your kind emails. Thank you for your support. Thank you for being part of our program. God bless you. Until tomorrow, stay safe. Stay warm. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 p.m. Eastern, here on Global Star Radio Network, YouTube, and Blog Talk Radio. Until then, stay warm and stay inside. And we've left the building. I think we're snowed in. Yeah. This is the Global Star Radio Network.